three, two, one. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick, baby boy. This is Sardonicast. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. That was a uh, combination of two different things. And I'm never going to tell what they are. Hello. Oh. You should know. <laughs> I'm Ralph the Movie Maker. <laughs> yeah, I'm Alex from HG. I, I got to admit, I only, I only caught half of it, obviously. The. Uh... If you're not going to tell me, what's even the point of lingering? What are that we just? It's the movie that we recommended. For with oh, the, this always happens. <laughs> it's from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and it's when uh, I guess I won't say anything about the movie, but it's like, yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to the discussion. Remind yeah, me, but yeah, remind me when we actually. Get I don't know to why, it. but that line just like has always stuck with me. Just the way he says it, it's just so bizarre and perfect. That I, it just, it's always in my head. So whenever I hear the name Patrick, it's kind of like Patrick, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. baby yeah, boy. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. Okay, good. Nah, yeah. Anyway, okay. Okay. thoughts yeah, yeah. and prayers for your brain getting better. Speaking of prayers, we saw Prey, <laughs> which is a movie, different kind of Prey. Uh, it's a movie that... Uh, Predator sequel. Prequel. Prequel, that's right. I guess it is a prequel, huh? It's a prequel. There's yeah. so many Predator movies, and I, I get the whole timeline a little bit confused at this point. Yeah, there, like five of them, four of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, six of them. <laughs> I've seen most of them. I haven't seen Predator Two. Yeah, I've seen all of them. I think. Oh yeah, Pre- I hear Predator Two is good. I've seen every Miramax film, and those are all Predator movies. Ah, uh, that's a Weinstein joke. All right. Um. So. Oh. Uh, <laughs> this is a film that i didn't know much about i didn't know it was a predator movie until like way into the news cycle it was like almost released basically but before that point there was a lot of viral marketing for it and it seemed like every week there was some article at the top of reddit being like prey has is the first movie ever to have a comanche dub and people were just like hyping this thing up for a while before the, it's released. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Yeah, was it? I watched it that way. The oh, did you? Time the second time. Yeah, the second time. The first time I watched it in English. So is it just dubbed, or is it it's actually just a, it's like just each a shot was filmed twice? Okay, it's okay. a dub because they're fucking cowards. And if you listen to one of the producers, she's in an interview in an interview saying that they were originally pitching the movie as as a film filmed in comanche as if like that was the original idea but then a studio merger she says (laughs) sidelined the idea i wonder what merger they possibly could be talking about this this 20th century hulu production that's on disney plus right now fucking christ that's That's so annoying disney no balls you fucking cowards that would have been perfect that would have been cool but uh i don't know i don't i don't I don't know. <laughs> You're going to release a whole movie. It would make the yeah. whole movie better. What are you talking about? It would have been cooler, but it didn't like ruin the whole thing for me. No, it didn't ruin it. It didn't ruin it. it yeah, it doesn't ruin it, but it would have made it better, right? I don't know. Yeah, I, been- yeah, I think it would have been better, but I mean... I think... <laughs> I don't know. Because, like... It, I... <laughs> There's only so much you can do with like there there's a lot of movies that exist out there where um they're speaking English and the characters are obviously 
in a you know we're pretending that they're not so like the yeah, pianist right there's a there's a ton of movies yeah schindler's list and they're all speaking kind of with like polish accents or whatever uh, Chernobyl. but those particular yeah. films have so much more going for them in terms of like authenticity that it only takes me like i don't know five ten minutes of being kind of annoyed and then i'm into it whereas this film i'm kind of annoyed throughout the entire movie because they look like actors the entire time they look like actors. They act like actors. Their acting's bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I was really into it. That's fine. I was really into it, yeah. See, so, yeah, I felt that way for, like, yeah, the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I was just fine with it, to be honest. Yeah, especially, that. it's not really dialogue-heavy or dialogue-driven. It's mostly, like, action and, like, running around. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's a Predator movie. Like, they're, they're pretty silly. They're pretty silly yeah. movies, you know? They have yeah. a certain tone to them. Dialogue's a good, at least half of it, of the movie. It, it's the best Predator movie in fucking forever. Probably since the, since the original one. one. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I understand why yeah. people are yeah, excited. Yeah, give it that. <laughs> like those Alien versus Predator movies. Have you seen those? Yeah, guys? I've seen them all. <laughs> Th- those are the, like, I don't know how you managed to make like the worst. It's the worst Alien movie and the worst Predator movie. It's the worst that's of funny. both franchises. Yeah, that's, yeah, like, that's, that's really a feat. AVP yeah. Requiem. Uh, Requiem is fucking like awful i looked at my rating it was a one out of ten i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> alien versus predator is bad but requiem is just like absolutely yeah like that's probably one of the worst movies i've ever seen like bottom 50 like around oh, it's there so like, bad. holy shit it's yeah, so like, don't bad. show anything yes yeah, it's, it's awful you'd think i'd love it because they like kill children in it but <laughs> no. yeah they it's, kill it's like really the bad. girlfriend character whatever i didn't even like it like, like when i was younger i'm like this is just like lame yeah and like i remember the director saying like what's scarier an alien in space or an alien in your backyard i'm like an alien in space because when you're in space yeah there's the isolation <laughs> element like you can't just like call 911 or whatever like like it yeah, was like, so up a tank bad or something. that movie yeah. um this was much better. Um, the kind of like the the predator actually has like a huge advantage over like the Comanche in this, and yeah, that was interesting. Like the whole Comanche thing was interesting, and I like the casting uh, decision to like cast all Native Americans. I thought that was a cool decision. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool like angle. It is. It is cool as a like how the movie was made sort of thing, but in terms of like how it translates on st- screen, it doesn't make a difference to me when the actors are kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, I was, the line delivery on so many lines was just like poor writing, poor delivery. It was so bad. Um, I, I'll have a video coming yeah, out about yeah. this in like a week or two. I'll show some examples, but like. Holy crap, there's so much like cringe eye rolling line delivery in this movie. I'm like, fuck. If it was like great actors, then I would be able to appreciate mm-hmm. that casting. But um It's like a smaller talent pool you're working with. They're only like Native Americans in it, so that you have to like cast a certain group of people. They might not be as good as like professionally trained actors in Hollywood. Or- yeah, but then you get the right director and they take non actors and just you know, they just know how to work with them. Right? Yeah, you know, you never know. Grand Torino kind of the same problem, the Clint Eastwood movie, because they cast from yeah. like a very specific country. Yeah, yeah. I, I that didn't really yeah. bother me. I thought the acting was fine. Um, well, my only issue with it really was the effects, the VFX at, at points. That was like my only, that was my only issue. Some of the animals it. looked better than the others. <laughs> the bear, not so much. Yeah. I thought the Predator looked good. The Predator looked awesome. That's like probably my favorite Predator design out of all the movies. Yeah. 
that bone mask and like yeah uh it looked so yeah, cool. cool stuff going on yeah still using like the practical like mandibles and mm-hmm. stuff that's what it looked like so anyway primal mm-hmm. it was like a yeah. nice healthy balance between cg and practical yeah action. i like that it's invisible most of the time too it makes it like scarier like they've really built up to it like a lot of those predator movies they just show, they show it too much to where it's like you know it's basically just porn for people who like the predator like yes. oh look it's the predator like yeah <laughs> exactly you know it's not it, it ruins it. it makes it not cool and you just like you're trying to notice through the, the effects or whatever and yeah it was it was cool like the way they did it it's like yeah. a lot of smart choices yeah, for for this kind of movie, for an action movie, it's not like I don't think it'll get any Oscars or whatever. But <laughs> not that that's the end all be all. But like, I don't, you know, for what it is, I think it's really well done. It's some of the best like action. Yeah, seen. I started enjoying it way more as it like ramped up and started just showing the Predator more in terms of like all these gizmos and gadgets and just like yeah, kind of laughing with the movie and just kind of like how funny it is the way he takes out like. <laughs> all the French dudes and his various ways of just brutalizing things. Cause yeah, it, it is just kind of like uh, funny and over the top and, and silly to me in a, in a like entertaining kind of Depending way. Depending on the point, like there's, there's certain points in the movie where it's like clearly like, Oh, it's taking them long to reload. Like that's obviously a joke, but for the most part, the film, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, like that the doing. soundtrack is enforcing a very serious tone throughout the movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I, I guess it's trying to go for the the same kind of tone as that original movie, which also has the kind of campy element mm-hmm. of the like, you know, Arnie and the the military yeah. side of it and the that they kind of inherent pushing too many pencils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It also reminded me of like the Revenant too, like kind of the Revenant vibe with the setting. Anyway, I think it like, thought it was the Revenant, just like the intensity. It's like the the Revenant mixed with the the Predator. Yeah, it's like finding that balance. Yeah. They're both filmed in Alberta. I think maybe the Revenant ditched Alberta because of the Chinook, but. The Revenant was at least partially filmed in Alberta, if not was supposed to be, and then they goofed up. But you could really tell what the skies in this movie. The Chinook? A Chinook is a um, northern uh, phenomenon where there's a very warm breeze coming in, I think, through the mountains from, like, a coast that can... It's like a really warm air that can make it like, uh oh, this is like an unusually warm winter, but it's actually a Chinook. And so when they were filming The Revenant, Leo DiCaprio did a thing where he was like, we were supposed to film in Alberta where there's snow, but then global warming destroyed it and people called him out. It's like, this isn't global warming, this is a Chinook. Global warming's real, don't get me wrong, but it was one of those like, uh oh, you, <laughs> yeah, sure. you didn't research the thing. Right. And yeah. now you, Leo's a big climate change guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I never knew that. It's just a yeah, funny yeah, name, yeah. Chinook. Yeah, I think it. I think it's a native origin name. So, mm. oh, okay. I think interesting. But yeah, you could really tell by the skies in Prey. I think it's a Alberta sky, which is funny because we just watched Brokeback, which had the same thing, like lots of, like lots of clouds. Yes. in the sky, you could tell it's like the same. Yeah, yeah. I really like those. Like just like scenic shots in the mm-hmm. film it was just like yeah, the landscape i thought those all looked great yeah nice locations yeah added to like the atmosphere of it mm-hmm. yeah there's certain shots that look really great mm-hmm. and then there's certain sequences that are just like really poorly filmed and edited there's like 
when when they have a little scuffle when they're like you you tie a rope to your hatchet and they try to make fun of her for it <laughs> uh and mm-hmm. then they start fighting each other there's like i shit you not there's like 25 cuts in like 10 seconds it's it's atrocious it's like how did you just let the action play <laughs> there's a lot in this movie where it's clear like depending on who's in the action scene depending on who's in the sequence they'll just add more cuts because apparently they couldn't possibly film it in a way where it looked convincing it was just right. mm-hmm. some of the action looked great yeah like when it was the predator versus yeah. like the french guys there were like some you know a couple long shots and some some cool stuff going on, but yeah, that was really one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Yeah. The whole, mm-hmm. that whole setting. Yeah, like the, I, I don't know. That didn't really bother me. Maybe it's because it's like free on Hulu. Like I was just watching on my yeah, TV. But, you know, that really bothered me. That explains me. a lot, actually. I think that's that's a low expectation. I, I think that helps by that implication. Yeah, it's just like you know, I'm not like spending any money or it's like to, I, I'm spending for a Hulu subscription, but that's not that much. It was no. just like a piece of content on there. I'm like, oh wow, that's actually really good. I wasn't, I literally wasn't on my radar at all. You've helped me understand <laughs> the the, per, the perception of this movie oh, a see. lot right now. <laughs> sure, well, I like a lot about it too. I'm not just like making excuses I know, I know. for it. Like, I really like, I like the pacing of it. Like I said in my review, like it really flew by for me. Once it was over, I was like, holy shit, it's over. Like that was, that was really great like it's yeah, just how, it is how fast it went yeah really brisk pacing yeah and yeah it has those good parts in it too it's just like i um i wish i knew the budget of it because i was trying to look that up maybe it's up now but i was trying to find yeah i was just trying to find it i can't see it either i feel like it would be it would be very low it would definitely be lower than something like the revenant so oh, i'm not yeah. really like comparing it in terms of like a lot of the t- like i think for like a, probably a low budget if you go for bear versus bear <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the, the bear scene is probably better than that <laughs> was it gonna be like a 20th uh Stu- century studios 20th century studios like theatrical release was that like the plan and then Let's the merger see. happened and then they were like oh we'll put it on disney plus then yeah I, that's that's a I'm weird just, i was trying to figure that out because i think it was already yeah. I'm not sure if it was already pitched to 20th Century and Hulu or if it was supposed to be just 20th Century. Yeah, if it was released in theaters, I might feel differently about it. If I had to like pay for it in theaters. Well, apparently the the concept of like this uh pitch was not only should the entire film be in Comanche, but I think from the director if not from at least the producers Originally, they wanted to market the entire film without revealing that it was a Predator movie and have it be a surprise to whoever watched it, like, first. Oh, wow. Like, that was supposed to be the original Mm -hmm. plan, and then I guess the studio just fucked it up and we're like, eh, well... They pulled a Sony. <laughs> like, that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, Marketing I don't know how they could have... Tricky. Yeah. Like, you want the movie to make money. You want people to watch it. <laughs> yeah, but could you imagine the viral marketing from that? Well, I don't know. You know... How would you get people to see it in the first place, though? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Remember t- uh, fucking Cloverfield? Like, Cloverfield had insane viral marketing because of the fact that they held back what was in the film and they didn't show yeah, that's and not they a franchise though they didn't it's even have the movie now. title no yeah but that's cool could could you imagine like we haven't had a predator movie since avp requiem yeah it's cool but it, i don't know if it always works i mean yeah it's on fucking hulu anyway it's like people are just torrenting this movie yeah it's like with the blade runner movie like you know i get i get why you wouldn't want them to show harrison ford but harrison ford's a huge name and like the same with this like the predator the Predator is basically the only marketable 
element about this movie. But then there's more buzz when the movie's out. Delayed gratification. Well, then no one would have seen it. Even less people would have seen it. Like you're releasing a movie where you don't tell anyone who the, that the predator's in it. That would be like the biggest news ever. <laughs> Beyonce re- has released like some know. of her most successful albums by just fucking dropping it and not telling anybody about it beforehand. Because then it, began, it becomes part of the news cycle of like Beyonce just released a fucking album. Like holy shit, nobody knew that was coming. That's a part of the story, right? If you can make viral marketing like that, it's at least worth a risk. For something that you're dropping on Hulu, right? Yeah. If you're not even like releasing in theaters, like that makes me think it wasn't. It wasn't always the plan. I I think the director said it was. uh, He wanted it to go to theaters. He's okay with it going out this way. Yeah. Not like this. Maybe if they that would have been cool in Comanche if they just yeah if it was going to go on Hulu anyway. I would have liked the movie more if they actually filmed it in Comanche. Show some fucking balls, you know. Like the dub exists. That's fine, but you don't deserve all the praise of, like, the progressiveness from the marketing from the dub when you literally just, like, axed the original vision, which was supposed to be, like, a Comanche film. Like, great, the dub exists. Dubs exist in many languages, you know? Like, you're pretending as if it's, like, like, yeah, it is the first time it's been dubbed for Comanche. I understand, like, the cultural significance for that, but it it should have been filmed that way, like... You can't you can't pretend like oh yeah we're so progressive even though you like axed it from happening, it's just so annoying to me. Mm. Like fuck. All right. Like dubs, I can't get into them because the it's doesn't sync with their lips. You know, it's distracting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been neat if they'd um, like done a two takes of each shot yeah. in each language or something. If they if they absolutely had to. In the same way that like some people just can't watch movies with subtitles because it's distracting. Like, that's me with dubs. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at their mouths. It's the best Predator movie in a while, even though going back on my rating for the previous one, what was it called? The Predator? Oh, the Shane Black one? I've yeah. never seen that. Oh, oh, that I completely like forgot shit. about that one. Exactly. Yeah, there was that one too. Yeah, like, most people did. There was yeah. the Adrian Brody one as well. That was what, The Predators or something? Yeah, that one That one was horrendous. Yeah, that one I rewatched. That one was bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was so... Like, the characters in that movie are so freaking annoying. Yeah. Toe for Grace. <laughs> My rating for The Predator 2018 is technically higher than this one, but I don't remember anything about it, so I can't really... It's like I didn't yeah, watch that, it. Yeah, The Predator oh, was really? awful. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, The Predator, that's probably worse than this. I mean, I haven't even yeah. seen that movie. I'm I just cannot like, say. Just from word of oh, mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely worse. It's so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> that one is abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, shocked by how fucking appalling it was. Well, to me, I watched that one at, like, TIFF or whatever. Um, it was just one of those, like, special screening things. And it was, like, in a theater filled with, like, diehard Predator fans and, like, the energy was, like, really high for some parts because, you know, they just got to see their favorite little action figure on the screen or whatever. And that was a fun experience (laughs) in of itself. I remember that. I don't remember anything from the movie except that they said that (laughs) autism was the next step in evolution. That's the only part of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and wow. I, yeah, that. That was, <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting. Little kid with autism thing. Yeah, that was. That's weird. But if I can, if I can justify why the rating is higher than uh, this newest film, Prey, even though I don't remember anything about the previous one, it's because in my memory, at least, it seemed as if that movie kind of thought it was a bit more of a joke than this movie does. 
and so I would like to, because Alex, you're saying that, um, you know, a lot of this film prey is like pretty campy, uh, that you're kind of laughing with it. And although, yeah, it does have like a inherent campiness to some of the gore. And there are like a couple jokes here. Like I really didn't feel that watching Prey. I felt like the soundtrack is the most overwhelming enforcement of the tone. And throughout the entire film, it's super serious. And that's that's part of why I didn't enjoy it as much is because it it felt like it was insisting that this level of seriousness that it wasn't actually portraying. You know, it felt like kind of unaware in that sense. And I'm wondering if you have anything to say about that. I, I guess my thing is the. Outside of that first Predator movie, <laughs> I, I don't really get why he's such a, or well, it's such a recurring like character that deserves this whole like franchise. Because mm-hmm. kind of the whole hook of that mm-hmm. first movie is he's like it's a mystery, like what is taking out these like super buff, silly True. army commando types? Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and they had to be creative because it was the eighties. They had like lower budgets, lower special effects. Yeah, and had like suit. the creepy elements of like yeah, it's just a dude in a suit, and they had to like be clever about it like using the creepy like voice stuff and showing the visor from his perspective with the heat vision and then then taking the whole like arnie's got to cover himself in mud and like not use the army tech to take down the futuristic alien like that whole angle and it's it's like a fun self-contained story and then removing the predator like i just don't know what you really do with this thing outside of it it's just kind of like a it just boils down to just like a silly kind of monster movie so then, like having the like the like the the scene where he's taking out all the the French soldiers or whatever, and it's just like the excess gore and like getting as creative as possible with the with the gadgets, like the nets that like <laughs> cut people into pieces and yeah. decapitating people. That was just, fun to me. He's it's just like a silly creature to me. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I think they balanced the tone well. It's like somewhere in the middle, I'd say. Like being campy and being serious, like it's like a yeah. fine line they like managed to like stay on for most of the I movie. Could, yeah, except maybe the end. I guess I would need someone who genuinely finds the predator like really cool. You know? Yeah. Like, like I, uh, I, I don't really, I don't really get boner. anything about. It. <laughs> yeah, like when they when he's like fight, he like decks a bear that's like <laughs> chasing after him and stuff, and that, that's like kind of that's kind of like funny to me. But I know they're like genuine predator fans would love that like him picking course, up a bear sure. and, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of stuff but yeah i, I, I don't know to be honest like uh, like uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of an excessive character at a certain mm-hmm. certain point mm-hmm. um yeah I, I never really felt as if i was laughing with the movie despite there being clear attempts at humor at points it felt very few and far between it felt like the the excessive gore parts was you know in, in at servicing this idea of like looking really cool and being really epic while you know consistently <laughs> there is this tone there is this danger of like the main characters like oh no i'm i'm in danger and i gotta kill this thing and bah, 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 you know like it, it yeah the, the the tone of the film didn't reflect like a it it felt like it took itself particularly seriously. It felt like it took itself more seriously than like Alien versus Predator. Like that felt much more campy than this, right? I I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's that balance of like how much of it is intentional, how much is unintentional. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to know sometimes. Like, it, yeah, you don't think some of the some of the excessive violence is just kind of like a 
a fun <laughs> like it's it's so over the top it's mm-hmm. so like silly yeah yeah it's but it, but i i mean there's still there's still over the top excessive and silly violence in other films that take themselves seriously too but you know they they earn it a bit more by having things like i don't know better acting um <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, even in The Revenant, like, there's, like, crazy... Like, that bear thing, like, that's pretty fucking over-the-top and, like, brutal and excessive. But the way that it's played off, it's like, okay, well, this doesn't take away from the seriousness, even if that is the case, right? Perhaps I'm a bit uh, influenced by the uh, marketing and, like, the Reddit post every week talking about how... <laughs> how groundbreaking and and unique this oh, film right. is when like <laughs> yeah and, and i don't know even the reception of people talking about how it's like some crazy groundbreaking unique thing and i watch it and i'm like this is this is just the same movie i've seen a billion times before you know yeah i didn't engage with any of that marketing but i was hearing like good things about it like she's like oh no one will believe that i'm a that i can be a hunter I'm like, okay, well, she's going to, spoiler alert, you know, as soon as he, as soon as she says, oh, I'm going to be a hunter, nobody can believe me because I'm a girl. I'm like, she's going to come back with the head of the predator as a trophy. And then that exactly happened. You know, like mm-hmm. there's the, the dog, yeah, her yeah. dog friend runs away in the first, at the end of the first act. I wonder what's going to happen at the end. Oh yeah. It comes back and saves her at the end. Like doy, you know, like everything played out in the exact same sequence that, I imagined from like the first part of the movie, I'm like, okay, this is kind of just pedestrian. It was unsurprising. It wasn't scary. It wasn't like, you know, it didn't, it didn't do anything special for me. And so I'm just like looking at the reception and the marketing of like people treating this like it's the, some crazy thing when in reality, it's just like, okay, this is the best predator movie in a while, probably. And it's a Hulu thing. So I guess people weren't expecting much. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm probably not going to really think about this movie again, but, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fine. I was I wasn't particularly bored. It kind of delivered the beats you'd want from like a contemporary predator movie, I guess. It it didn't annoy me like the predator or predators with Adrian Brooke. Is that what it was called? Yeah, predator. I can't, I yeah. can't keep it straight with all this too. Yeah. yeah. Titles, it but... seemed like it was made by someone who actually like cared about the original and wanted to kind of channel some of the same stuff. Yeah, uh, reinvented. But yeah, I'm with you with like the uh some of the acting isn't up to snuff. I I really wasn't into the first act particularly. I really have a thing about like excessive CG animals. I know like they kind of have to be there. But yeah, I can forgive like a CG deer and three billboards or something. That's like, okay, whatever. You know, it's like one <laughs> or two shots. But when it's like, it's so crucial at a certain point, I just start thinking, man, I know they'd never do it, but just make it animated at a certain point. It's so like silly, you know, like, like just skinning all this mm-hmm. stuff, like the CG snakes jumping around. CG. Yeah, animate every character. <laughs> yeah. It would be better. Like, it's, the, it's the 80s conundrum. It's like, I, I feel like just the reuse of IPs at a certain point, like, some of these characters have like lost all of what made them special or their panache to me anyway, because of just the excessive like is the predator in Fortnite at this point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It probably will be at some point. Yeah. It's like what happened with the Xenomorph from Alien. Like that I remember mm-hmm. how frightening that thing was to me when I was a kid, but then just like yeah. over the years and like Alien versus Predator and all these stupid video yeah, games. Video games this, like, yeah. yeah, all this marketing stuff and then yeah, all yeah. the porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah terminators and call of duty now 
Right. It's just like, yeah, they just throw this shit in. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's sort of where I'm kind of stuck from like, like, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's pretty good for like a Predator movie and. 2022 yeah it didn't really annoy me it's just it was just fun <laughs> i agree it's pretty good for a predator <laughs> movie in 2022 i'm not i will never disagree with that and i'm saying that some i do re- i haven't seen the original for a while but yeah. I, I was really fond of that movie when i was young yeah I it's great like it it's lot. the only movie with predators in it that i remember liking at all <laughs> you know <laughs> every other one yeah, i'm like yeah. that original is classic yeah yeah like what which other predator movie was is even like debatably good. Yeah, it had that soundtrack. It had like all the kind of really the the predator scary vision. implied violence. Yeah, the predator yeah. vision, like skinning people. <laughs> the, yeah, the best fucking high five handshake on the planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. To I, I guess just to finish off this, uh, my my uh, issue with the tone is like in my mind I'm thinking if this was. I could deal with the inauthenticity of these characters because I, I never felt like they were characters. It always felt like actors. She looked like fresh out of makeup, like plucked eyebrows, perfect teeth. Like it's like, okay, I don't believe you like live outdoors. Mm. Uh, you look like an actor trying to act. Like every reaction she had was like half half of the performance was her like trying to look good, have a good looking face at the same time as reacting. And it was just like irritating. Um, I could deal with that in a film that was like a satire. If this were like a satire on horror films, if this was like tongue in cheek, like, okay, you're, you're letting me know as a film that you're like making fun of yourself at the same time for this, then I could deal with that. But like this, the shitty acting, the shitty line delivery and just like, yeah, some sequences where they cut like 20 times in 10 seconds. I'm like, Ugh, I can't deal with that in a movie where like the tone is constantly reinforcing this, like, Oh, it's actually serious. And you're supposed to care about this character and whether or not she's can prove herself by the end of the movie and whether or not she survives like do i do i care that her brother died no like it, it doesn't matter like it's just none of the characters are interesting and it's just ugh, i couldn't and I, I felt like i've seen the same movie a billion times so yeah that's that's all my criticisms i guess i'll stop about this because i've already made eight thousand people unsubscribe by this point obviously so <laughs> yeah. all right ratings yeah i'm kind of just like right down the middle um this is like a three star for me um mm-hmm. Not, I don't quite love it like everyone else seems to, but I, I was fine with it. It kind of flew by, but I'm just, yeah, I'm just hung up on like what to do with the predator. And if it really, if it really needs that much expansion, I just don't find it that interesting outside of that original movie. Like I feel like I've got my fill. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go. I, I really enjoyed it. I gave it an eight. Mm-hmm. It's a good action movie. Did you want to say more about it? Because you, you didn't say too much. Like, I, I didn't no, want to... No, like... I, I made my review already. It's like yeah. everything I needed to say. <laughs> I gave it an eight. It's, it's, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think Predator fans would like it, but I don't even think it relies on being a Predator movie. Like, even if you haven't seen any of those, I feel like you'd enjoy it. I don't just view it solely as like a Predator movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good action film, too. I think it would probably work just as well if this was the first Predator movie. For the people yeah, that exactly. enjoy it, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it looks no, cool and yeah, it would be, a, yeah. It was a good like reinvention of it and yeah, it's much better than I was expecting it to be and better than most of the Predator movies that come out. Mm-hmm. Definitely. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. Subs over dubs, four out of ten. Go fuck yourself for not letting this movie be what it tried to be, Disney, you pieces of shit. So what'd you rate the, uh, 
the the predator the shane black the one. predator well so my rating that i saw that i on imdb that i did give it was a five which makes sense for a movie that i don't remember because that's usually what i give movies that i don't yeah, remember. i don't know about that <laughs> yeah i think i think this one's probably better than i haven't again i haven't seen that no it, it's so much better i remember having like a good energy yeah. in the theater and i remember it not taking itself as seriously i'm fully prepared to say if i watched that movie again it would probably be a lower rating but I'm not watching yeah. it again, so we will never know. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is definitely better than that one. Don't give me shit over that being a higher rating because we don't know if it really is. That's just what it was at the time. Well, <laughs> yeah, everybody on the internet. Yeah, I don't you know. You can calm down, okay? Yeah, you either you either gonna lower that one or raise this one because that's not right. <laughs> well, yeah, if I watch it again, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Oopsie! Looks like everybody. No one's gonna sleep for the next week. I guess this is this is a tragedy. All right. I guess some things just have to be like this. <laughs> All right. It's time for the film recommendation. I recommended a movie. It was called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, a film where uh, everyone's favorite quote is Patrick baby boy um <laughs> and uh yeah to give a short summary of the film uh it stars jim carrey and kate winslet they play uh two people that have their own fair share of like social uh and mental problems in ways um uh, like personality issues i guess and they fall in love with each other um only to I guess, yeah, let's just... I'm going to say spoilers right now, because part of the movie is, like, figuring out what's happening as, as it's going along. Yeah. I can't describe the plot without spoiling the movie, because that's, like, part of the experience. So, watch the fucking movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I'm going to spoil it. Um, they fall in love only to later realize that uh, they both previously were in love and wiped each other's memories from their minds because they were upset with each other and heartbroken and this is in a universe where uh such a service exists um very charlie kaufman type thing so you know in his previous film john malkovich it was like oh what would happen if there was just a portal into john malkovich's brain and people sold it in this film it's like oh what would happen if there was an actual medical procedure being sold to people where they could erase people from their minds and the way that this works, like, logistically in the movie is just, like, so well thought out. And it's it's narrative and emotional and thematic purpose. It's perfect. I love the movie. Let me know what you guys think about it. Michelle Gondry directed. True. Mm -hmm. That's important. Charlie Kaufman wrote it. Yeah, I forgot to mention the most important yeah, role. Is right. Kaufman's important. Kaufman's important role for the writing. It felt like a mm -hmm. Kaufman movie. It's, like, granted, oh, like, definitely. a little less weird than the Malkovich story although not a lot less weird <laughs> but like yeah, yeah. Th no one not everyone becomes john malkovich it makes it a little more like relatable to like all the characters and yeah this is, this is easily like one of the best movies of like that that came out that year probably ever for for me anyway mm -hmm. um i wanted to talk about the trailer 
Oh, I'm not even sure I've seen it. Uh, since we're talking about marketing, I gotta fucking watch. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not familiar. Uh, the original trailer. It might be one of the most misleading trailers, like in terms oh, of God. just it's just I'll like totally missells the movie. Oh, how did they market it? It's like Mr. Blue Sky playing. It's a, I think it's like the teaser trailer. Mr. Blue Sky's playing, and you know it's like they basically market it as a romantic comedy, but which is basically uh, what it of is. Of course, because that fits in a box. But, you know, there's there's so much more. Right, there's so much more going on to it. So it's like that song, dun dun dun, and Jim Carrey acting like zany, and you know them running around. But that's not really what this movie is. This movie's far. More tower. So that's why that's on the soundtrack. Yeah. I always wondered why Mr. Blue Sky was on the film's soundtrack. I was like, that's uh. not in the movie. <laughs> it's it's very out of place. <laughs> it basically completely so sells the movie. I think it's honestly uh. one of the worst trailers I've ever seen, just in terms of like not marketing the film accurately. And I guess they were like torn on the Jim Carrey Kate, Kate Winslet. That's crazy. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just sell it as a romantic comedy. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. And it was really sad because, you know, this film didn't do great when it came out i largely feel it's because it was not sold well and i feel like that's why marketing is such an important thing like if i factored marketing into my yeah. rating with this which i don't really because i didn't see the trailer when it came out but like it's just like yeah it makes it look way too silly and there's funny parts in this film I'm not saying it's like all miserable i think that's like a brilliant thing about it, it like balances all these different tones like perfectly. yeah but that trailer yeah. that yeah. trailer's fucked that trailer sucks <laughs> that's funny i'm gonna watch dun, 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 dun. <laughs> charlie kaufman films are like notoriously notoriously like impossible to market yeah he should just be in charge of the market i'm sure he would figure something out just show a fucking clip from the movie and just have it be you know be people like what the fuck is that you know? Right. It would, that would have been better. Like, I was showing f- a friend of mine who had seen it recently. He thought it was great. And I showed him the trailer and he was like laughing as I was showing it to him. Like, this yeah. is like terrible. Like, this makes the movie look like shit. I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is like the worst trailer I've ever seen. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kaufman makes such unique films and unique experiences. And then the marketing department tries to put him into a box. Yeah. Of like, okay, what's a genre film that we can pretend this is? Like, mm-hmm. it's so annoying. It's, it's what A24 does with their horror horror movies uh-huh you know they make it seem too broad like, fucking it comes at night like mm-hmm. oh, yeah exactly far too broad yeah this movie there's much more going on yeah it does kind of blend genres doesn't it because it does it, obviously the core is that romance but it also is kind of science fiction with the whole like the technology being a core yeah. tenant of the story and it working with at the service of a love ratio story. kind of business yeah, exactly. But it's definitely not like a romantic comedy as one might describe a typical yeah. <laughs> 500 Days of Summer or whatever. It's much more inventive and creative and uh, right. original than that. But I- I'd only seen this once before, many, many years ago, probably 10 years ago at this point. Um, mm. And I-, I-, I didn't I didn't remember just how like inventive and creative a lot of the... Just like the visual and kind of special effects, like the yeah. angles, mm, yeah. uh, just the utility of how they like would use the environment, how just certain shots were so creatively like intertwined. Like, uh, like I, I remember the shot where Jim Carrey's like leaving, um, where Caitlin Winslet is working, mm-hmm. and, the, and the like lights like sh- shut off behind him as he's walking, and then it like seamlessly cuts back into his friend's house, and it's all just like, yeah, it's also seamless. You know, you know, yeah, even thinking yeah. about. All the memory stuff was great. I think that was all practical. I think they just like had like a, I think they just like shut off the lights behind him and then had like a fake like door frame and wall Mm -hmm. set like built into there. And then before they cut to the other, like, I I think most of the, the overwhelming majority of the, the effects in this film are all like practical. 
um, with like a couple, yeah, CG things. But. but yeah, that's just one tiny example. There's so many, like the whole force perspective stuff towards the end. The uh, yeah. yeah, it's just very creative, and like the like the car falling out of the sky. It's like mm-hmm. some, yeah, some. Oh, yeah, it's not held back by anything. That is something mm-hmm. Michelle Gondry is like really, really great at. So yeah, I, as much as this is a Charlie Kaufman film, this is also very much a Michelle Gondry film. I, you know, obviously I soy over Charlie Kaufman all the time, but you got to give Michelle Gondry a lot of credit here. If you've ever seen his other films, like, I don't know, Science of Sleep, you'll know that he loves to work with like large scale, like he'll take something that should be a miniature and then like blow it up and just like build these, these uh, props for the films. Uh, He loves working with scale in that way and like forced perspective and just like weird, imaginative shit. So... Green Hornet. I was looking through his uh, IMDb, like his director credits, and um, yeah, I was Green trying Hornet. to. I, the only thing I'd oh. seen was like a few of his music videos, and um, oh, did he do Green Hornet? Yeah, he did. I that really stinks. That. That's his worst movie. That's easily his worst movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, he did. Weird. I'd only seen like Be Kind Rewind, which is a way more like from memory kind of. Oh yeah. Just like he generic kind of comedy. Um, but I couldn't find anything quite on the level of Eternal Sunshine in there. But I'll have to check out the science of sleep, but that does sound interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only saw that once a long time ago, and I remember it being really interesting. Yeah, I like Be Kind Rewind. But, you know, this movie was really ambitious, and mm-hmm. like it's a drama, but all those like the the memory stuff, the the visuals of that, like really make it like so much more interesting to watch, so much more like a film experience. And yeah, it's just like again with that genre bending. It's like a comedy, but there's the science fiction in there and there's the drama. It's like blended all perfectly. And yet the visuals are great. It is a perfect marriage between writer and director for this film. Like they fill yeah, in for each other. It really was. Uh, like weak points in a way. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't think Charlie Kaufman could have made this at the time. I just, I just loved how they like. No, how they explored and established like the rules of like the the memory oh, kind of technology. So well it it does give you, it gives you just enough. Like we're not, you're not left questioning like, oh, how does this work? Why does this do that? Like it, it leaves yeah. it because it's mostly from Jim Carrey's perspective. So you see, like how how kind of confusing and stressful it is from his experience, which it would be to have like the the doctor. I believe he, he describes the procedure as what brain damage. Yeah, comparable to a night of heavy drinking. I yeah, love that line to kind like, of just yeah, <laughs> deleting cool. parts of your brain. It's like fucking lasering them. It's so funny how they yeah. explain that. And it makes sense. And you but could imagine, makes... especially in the United States, like, yeah, this would just be, you know, you could, this could be a real mm-hmm. procedure at some point, <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> I think it's a perfect marriage of those, um, those performances too. Mm. Like Jim Carrey is really excellent in this movie. It plays to his strengths like oh, perfectly because yeah. he is capable of dramatic stuff. But I've never liked his his two serious roles or whatever. But he is like this in the Truman Show for me. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like he's funny, but he's also very sympathetic, and the, the dramatic moments really work. And he yeah. just like gives like a really fantastic performance in this and Truman Show, which we should talk about one day. Sure, yeah, like both of those. He's just like, mm. he is a really great actor. He's one of the best in terms of like, just like the, the performance he gave in this was really great. And everyone yeah. else is too. Kate Winslet and Kirsten Dunst and Mark Ruffalo. And like, they had a great cast too, like huge cast that, is, that are all 
really you know to serve the role they were all awesome yeah the whole like memory framing is just such an ingenious like angle to take because of course you're going to get really natural genuine drama out of it because of course the memories you're going to want to erase are going to be the most kind of intimate or embarrassing mm -hmm. or dramatic kind of moments you're going to want to yeah. explore so it feels really natural those are the things you remember yeah exactly and it and it also kind of works in a kind of more horror slash disturbing way like i really mm -hmm. i'd forgotten about like elijah yeah. wood's like role in the story it's Bad. like really really fucked up like what that character does like it, oh yeah impersonating someone with their memories like and i just love like the way they they kind of show how <laughs> humans would just exploit this technology basically like it's <laughs> everyone like is such a mess with how it like comes together and kate windsor after the procedure is like so like confused and doesn't know what's happening and the whole subplot with the doctor and kirsten dunst is like yeah. it's like such a mess like what it does to people mm -hmm. it's clearly like something that we definitely shouldn't have because it, it's too much power it's yeah. too much control over something without, like oversight especially mm -hmm. like without checks and balances yeah. to prevent someone from a like elijah wood's character uh from doing that what I really appreciated this time, because I haven't seen it in a while, um, and just like as I've grown up, I've kind of, you know, understood people and people as characters in real life a bit more and have had more experience yeah. with, uh, you know, some f really f fucked up people that I, you know, have removed from my life. And the way that Patrick is portrayed is so on point for like a, a manipulator, like kind of a sociopath person, like the way he can't help himself but to like brag about his little accomplishments and be like oh yeah i stole i stole the panties sort of thing like he had to tell someone else about it like yeah. that is so accurate and on point for like that type of person the way that uh you know the first thing that they do when they go in the apartment and you know they're doing the operation on jim carrey and elijah wood the first thing he, he says he's like this guy kind of lives like a slob this guy, kind of like a dump isn't it like he has these ulterior motives of of you know that that's that's it's essentially self-serving on his part because he's trying to convince himself out of his own insecurities like oh yeah i'm totally better for uh, clementine than this guy and he's yep. looking for reassurance from mark ruffalo's character who doesn't know what's going on yet but like it's so so accurate as to like the characters of these types of people and it's just, it blew my mind this time especially where it's like wow these are just real people like charlie kaufman has such an incredible grasp on human behavior and it's so authentic it's just, it's absolutely unbelievable and i also should mention mm -hmm. um jim carrey's character joel like the truman show i love his performance in that um but i would say that that is essentially like it feels like a Jim Carrey, almost familiar to other performances, but without the wackiness. It's like it's like his most serious parts from other movies, and it's more genuine and more consistent. However, in this film, he's playing like a very different character. Like his mannerisms, the the like soft spokenness of his character, and you can you can feel the insecurities and and unconfidence breathing from his mannerisms and his, and the way he speaks like it's he's living that person and it's just really incredible yeah um, he's yeah. a different character for such sure. a yeah. very well thought out yeah. great well-developed consistent character it's probably my favorite performance from him. yeah yeah it's mm -hmm. so great yeah for sure. one of my favorites from him easily yeah this film is very short only an hour 48 minutes and it says like a lot in that time that's like a, it's just like a, a film i go to is like yeah that's a short film and it and it 
was perfect the way it's it perfect, was. Yeah. That's all it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't need to be yeah. any longer or shorter. It's absolutely perfect. It's the proper length. Yeah. It, it didn't need to be over two hours long, like most movies are now and yeah. or, or have always been, I guess. But it's just like it doesn't need any to be any longer than it is. Yeah. It's like absolutely perfect. And not a single moment yeah. feels like it's dragging on. Like everything feels completely justified. I tend to like stories that like are cyclical and like the ending ties back into itself and into the mm. beginning of the film and like with the whole memory thing that's like that's basically exactly what happens the whole movie is like it's just like a cycle like you could see it that way like they, they lose the memory and they get back together <laughs> like but i love that i think that's such a unique like i love the ending yeah it like reframes the whole beginning mm -hmm. yeah uh-huh yeah, I, I love when movies do that and make it like make sense in the story. And yeah, that was really brilliant. Like the whole, the way this film ended and mm -hmm. the, the imagery of the ending, the like the repeated shot that just cuts and like it, it's just so much like significance to that. I thought it was like absolutely brilliant, like the ending and, and like, yeah, how, how it makes you want to watch the film again with like now you have that mm. framework. Yeah. Like it's the kind of film you need to watch again. To, to understand like really what it's trying to say and you want to watch it again because mm -hmm. you you understand it so much more and the fact that it's so short makes it so watchable yeah makes it so much more like easy to watch again yeah it's really fantastic work like it's, it's so good lots of uh subtle clues like in the beginning too and him saying like it appears this is my first entry in two years uh something i noticed this time which it's probably the first time I've noticed it, if memory serves me correctly, is um, when he's kind of, he kind of like walked to the beach, he, you know, he felt impulse uh, to go to Montauk. It was like right after he heard it on the intercom, take, you know, runs to the train. He goes on the beach and as he's next to that abandoned house on the beach, you can hear a very subtle um, audio cue and you can hear... Uh, Kate Winslet's character like calling his name very quietly and echoey like it, you wouldn't notice it's there if you're not like familiar with the rest of the events of the film basically um, oh, but cool. yeah it was like something yeah. kind of like beckoning him like there's and, and I love how that works in the film too because like at its core it is saying essentially that like even though they've deleted these key parts from his brain like something within him loved her so much that it tried its best to like keep her somewhere in other parts of his brain. And there was some part of him that knew that something was missing. And the same goes for her too. Like she was like, you know, she, she, when Elijah Wood's character is reciting the same lines that Jim Carrey said to her, like, Oh, this is perfect. Clementine. I, I've never felt that way before. I feel like I'm really here. You can see in her performance, she's like, what the fuck? Like she was experiencing maybe a deja vu or something like, so even though those parts were deleted from her brain, something in her subconscious knew something was up and knew something was weird and fucked up about that. She was so disturbed by that. Right. So I love, yeah, I love that idea. To, uh, yeah. There's a lot to interpret there. Uh, what are, what's the way you interpreted the whole like frozen lake the ice lake and like how that ties into the story because it's kind of like at first he's kind of I, I took it as like a relation like their relationship like a metaphor for that like mm -hmm. at first he's kind of afraid to go on it because mm. it could fall apart very easily like like relationships do but like with her he, he as he walked on it with her he became like more comfortable with it and yeah like it's, it's something like that you know yeah, he takes a risk yeah 
Yeah, he takes a risk and they yeah, it goes yeah, it goes okay, but yeah. Cuz like the it's on the poster of the lake. Like that's like a yeah. huge part of it. That that seems very important. It's at the very least like a, an important character defining moment for both of them because it expresses that, you know, he has this internal um like fear and he's kind of like introverted. He doesn't, you know, he he would stay inside all the time sort of thing and she pushes him to do these more exciting things yeah. that even if they are scary, they turn out okay because they're with each other. And I would like to point out about this poster that you see on IMDb um, is the way it's framed with Jim Carrey in the front, the blue uh, background on the bottom and the white ice on the top resembles kind of like a thought bubble thing. And you can see him yeah. looking up. Definitely. And so it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, ice is say. like a thought, like a traditional yeah. comic-y style cloud thought bubble sort of thing and the fracture in the ice that's in the frame could represent Mm -hmm. on the poster like kind of like a fractured mind whether it be from the operation or whether it be from his mental problems you know he's their social problems Mm -hmm. or him feeling like something's missing you know like the first lines in the film are him talking about how lonely he is and how like valentine's day is just a thing made up by greeting card companies to make people feel like crap like so much of this film and like everything about it is just you can absorb the the story and the characters and the emotions and the themes it's like it's so uh porous it's like a sponge you know like it's it's just Mm -hmm. it's a living breathing entity this is this art is alive you know it's a it's it's its own thing. It exists. Yeah. Oh, I love that point about the poster. That is a good poster. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great poster. Very iconic to me anyway. That's yeah. like the good marketing, not, not the trailer. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of great posters come from just using images from the film. And that shot on the ice yeah. is just so fucking perfect that like, why wouldn't you want to use yeah. that on a poster? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I like its statement on relationships. I think it's one of the best. Like, it is kind of a romantic comedy. It's like a good one. It's, it makes you think. Like, it, it's both very, like, pessimistic about relationships and, and how hard they are to keep going and how there's struggles within mm. it. But also, it's very optimistic as well. It's very, like, hopeful. And I feel like it balances that, like, really perfectly. Like, um, you know, they do have problems and I guess that's why they want their memories erased in the first place. Cause like those, those memories are like so painful. Like I could see why someone would want to get rid of them. But at the end, they, they basically make the decision to go through with it again, even though they know that there's going to be hardships again, they're probably just going to do the same things to each other again. But that's for them, that's worth it because mm-hmm. those, those good parts are so good yeah it feels so good that it's just worth the bad yeah it's heartbreaking when he he finds himself in a memory that he suddenly doesn't want to get rid of yeah (laughs) he's kind of begging that he wants just let me have this one let me keep this one no he starts regretting it pretty quickly because yeah because he he just thinks about the bad and he doesn't think about the good like you know the it's better to love and loss than never to loved at all exactly that's kind of a huge theme like that's very true and he realizes that like there's these yeah. good parts like Eric, he doesn't want to get rid of and that's why like i just love this film's take on on love and on relationships mm-hmm. because it's it's both very you know pessimistic and optimistic like yeah. i said it, there's there's good and bad to it and it, there's not just one clear-cut answer and yeah you know maybe it is worth it maybe it isn't 
put these characters at the end. They're like, I love that that last dialogue where they're just like, okay, exactly, and they like laugh at each other. Like Perfect that's such yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant beautiful. way yeah. to end the movie in terms of just couldn't the dialogue, not the imagery. It couldn't be. Yeah, that's such a great way to end it. It was like, and then the music starts. I'm like, wow, that actually like yeah. that gets something out of you, like genuine emotion out of you, mm-hmm. which is not something most movies can even think of doing. Like it's just so brilliantly written and and done performed in that scene like they were both great in that scene too yeah, yeah the, another um, emotional highlight is i guess his last memory where he's kind of come to terms with like what is happening and mm-hmm. he's just like let's just enjoy this yeah. <laughs> his last moment so stay and the whole like house thing and all the symbolism of it and i also really like because like the the story kind of like deflates to a natural point after his memory is wiped but then the kirsten dunce thing comes back on itself with the her mailing out all of the the tapes mm-hmm. so then you get like the 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 new drama of them in the car and listening to the just the brutal <laughs> like the characters in their worst point describing everything they hate about each other but they have no memory of each other so it's like a really complicated strange dynamic and they're really confused by it and that's like a a really interesting scene to me like yeah. the way that all unfolds it's incredible there's so much to <laughs> take from this film and so much to get out of it the um what so how many times have either of you seen this this is my second time i i don't know exactly i've seen it a few times yeah i've seen this many times the first time that i uh watched it um i i had like i had a friend over and uh, we put it on, but we were both like really high on ecstasy <laughs> and what? we got to the point. Um, I think I was like 15 or something. I don't remember. We got to the point, uh, where it gets to the opening credits and we were so confused that we were just like, I guess we're too high and shut it off. But in reality, it's like, everyone's confused at that moment because, yeah, supposedly. Um, yeah, it 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 reveals what the story is as it's going, but we like second guessed ourselves. It was kind of a weird thing. So I always have that like bizarre <laughs> memory of that <laughs> uh, associated with this film. Um, I would also like to say this is like one of the best films ever for portraying <laughs> high people. The way it's performed and the way it's written. And, like, the the beats of what's happening with the characters. Mark Ruffalo is, like, talking about his, like, you know, gloating over his, like, social justice attitude. And and then uh, <laughs> Kristen Dunst is immediately, like, yeah, that's so great. And then she, he realizes, oh, she's talking about, what was his name? Like, Richard? I don't remember the character's name. Tom Wilkinson's character, the doctor. Um She's like, oh, yeah, that's why he's so great. And he's like, oh, and he's immediately disappointed as he's realizing that she's talking about something different, but he never communicates that to her. And they're both kind of like mm-hmm. in this weird, like their own little world, just like high people. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, the way that the way that they perform. It. Yeah. And the way she like freaks out when yeah. <laughs> when she finds out the doctor's coming. I want him to see me high. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so good. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like I like all the dream stuff too. I have a friend named uh, Joe who I've known for a long time in my life, and um, he looks and acts and dresses 
exactly like Joel, and their name is one letter off. <laughs> and oh, it was fine. just like, yeah, I associate him with the character <laughs> so much, and he's like gone through so like when I first showed him this movie, I think it was just after or just before, like he had like a really bad breakup with some like weird girl too. It was like so weird the fact, yeah, just oh, all shit. this like real life shit but he loved the movie obviously it was like yeah man who hasn't very relatable <laughs> that's yeah. why it's an important movie to me but even the thing you were saying earlier about like the the characters and the elijah wood thing feeling like so, so realistic even like the bit roles like uh david cross and uh, jane adams like the way they'd argue and how like david cross yeah. was clearly like a bit of a pothead like every time he'd hmm. like all of his dialogue basically loop round to that all the time and there's just something very genuine about it, and you can see like different types of like humanity through all the characters. is is it's a it's an insane script to be honest. Like the fact it like works as well as it does, and yeah. just how much they fit into it is it's it's incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's like so ambitious and and very focused too. Like yeah, I do like all those supporting characters and their stories. They're all basically all not as interesting as like the Kate Winslet. And, jim carrey stuff but it's a good like b plot to cut to because if the mm. whole movie was just like crazy dream shit would have gotten kind of boring <laughs> but they like there's, other, there's all this other shit yeah like exploring yeah. the world of it making the world of it seem very like believable i do like movies that aren't just like there's definitely allegorical things going on here but there there's a literal explanation for everything as well within the world of it and they they flesh that out make it like very palatable for like a general audience so like oh it's Again, it's like, oh, it's like a dream. They, they erase your memories or whatever. It's a, it's a business. And mm-hmm. yeah, they, like they play with that. Like Jim Carrey filling out the forms or like going to the doctor's office and talking about like, you know, what he needs done or the procedure. Like this is very believable to anyone who's like been in a, in a, a doctor's office before. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, grounding the situation, making it feel real. And yeah, that's, that's why the emotion works. Like it's not just like this allegorical movie like there's a lot of things to like there's just a lot going on yeah it's not just a trippy dream it's a very grounded trippy dream it makes sense yeah because there's tension there's a ticking time element with the Mm -hmm. like he's he's basically that's too it's basically a chase scene through his subconscious like trying to run away from this procedure that is like systematically destroying all of his memories it's like yeah yeah it's really interesting Mm mm-hmm yeah, he doesn't really realize what he's like getting himself into. Like, no, because he was yeah. doing it because he was hurt, right? She did it like impulsively right. from being hurt, and he kind of did too. He was like, "You're going to do this to me," like. But I think part of him knew, like, you know, he was he was hurt in the moment, and he hated her in the moment. And when he recorded all of that uh, shit on tape of talking about how you know all this stuff that he's sick of her and that she fucks other people for to get them to like her and stuff like that, like being hurt by someone can really like influence your overall perception of them in that moment. Like uh, everybody's Mm -hmm. emotions can basically be a lens on how you feel and how you're acting. It can rewrite memories and recontextualize things in that way. And he wound up regretting it so quickly. He like, it was only like a couple memories into it where he was like, Oh shit, I don't, I actually don't want this because he loves her. He like, he, you know, it. he's a person that was established, both of them being, you know, they found each other because they didn't know what to do at that social gathering. They're both kind of weirdos. And that's why they 
or worked well for each other is because they're kind of outcast characters, even though they might have, you know, different personality types, but it created this sort of yin and yang thing where they filled in for each other's gaps and, you know, it was us, them against the world sort of thing. And yeah, it was yeah. such yeah, a they were very dysfunctional characters, but they needed each other. Yeah, shit. And it just, yeah, it works so well. It, and it's so in line with it. Like everything that every character does is in line with how they're written and it feels consistent. It never feels like, oh, this is kind of convenient for a plot device. It's like, no, she wound up doing that because she's established as like impulsive and they, you know, over time, they're both, you know, let's say it, they have toxic uh, attributes um, where they Definitely. are just, yeah, like they're, they're kind of toxic people maybe in ways that they can work on it and hopefully if we imagine the timeline there's never going to be a sequel thankfully but if we imagine the timeline later hopefully yeah. <laughs> they could work on it and be like okay we know that we're going down this path again let's try to work through it and be better people we know that it's better to be loved and to lose than to never have been loved sort of thing you know maybe maybe they can fix yeah, their yeah. their uh, toxic behaviors in, in that way but. yeah yeah, maybe they can find something that works. We don't need a sequel. This this movie to me is the sequel. It's just like the it's same perfect thing ending. keeps happening their whole lives. Yeah, <laughs> they just keep doing the same thing to each other. <laughs> well, I don't know if it'll get to that point. I don't know. There's part of me that it leaves it open ended enough that maybe with that information, with that forewarning, that they can try it different this time. You know, that they can they can be like, okay, we're getting to the mm -hmm. part where I'm starting to feel like when I said this in the recording, but I know now I have like a clear memory of me being like, well, I didn't think about that about you and I still love you. And, you know, like they remember the nice parts about each other or something and it helps them get through. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think Maybe. that there's a happy ending for these characters uh, to be with each other, but you never know. It leaves it open-ended. And even if they do break up, it is still a happy ending because they get to keep their memories, you know? Mm -hmm. unless she does it again yeah unless well, exactly which i think that, that happens yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> that is that it's a real cycle they find out they've done it twice the exact same events happen they're like wait a minute there's yeah. like three tapes i think they just keep doing it i think they just keep doing it <laughs> oh That's god like my interpretation she's suddenly 60 i read something about um there was some plan like originally for the story to turn into this kind of loop with oh like God. just doing it forever basically that that would be like the the really depressing uh downer way to end this kind of story i guess because it ends it's way more hopeful depressing but it's also some of the best parts of like a relationship is like when you meet and you get to know the other person like it's a great time yeah like, mm -hmm. to be in a relationship like some people would say that's the best time before you know their flaws yeah right and so like yeah they infatuation in some ways it is like kind of hopeful but you know you, yeah I, that would be funny if yeah you're just like 60 years old and like still doing the same thing but <laughs> you know you don't know that's why it's a good story it's like easy to interpret it many different ways one way in which i appreciate the writing for this film is i try to imagine how myself or someone else anyone else really would have written parts of this film. So it's like, let's say you start out with the concept of like, okay, there's like a, um, you know, a service where uh, they erase your memory. Like anyone else would have had the procedure done 
in a clinical setting, like at the hospital or at their office or something. But because Charlie Kaufman wrote it so that it's taking place in his home, which makes sense narratively because they want him to wake up there and they don't want him to know the procedure happened. That's part of the procedure. That provides so much narrative opportunity for uh, showcasing the other characters, exploiting him by like taking his drinks and like playing music and smoking weed and blah, 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 all that like immoral shit that they're doing. And it'll like it, it, it helps for, you know, all these seeds like being planted later of like, Oh, I, I thought I had more to drink and stuff like that. Like there's so much more narratively you can get out of that because of that decision that I, it's like, there, there's so many examples of yeah. like just making little tweaks and then you get to like harvest more out of the story because you wrote it in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. It creates drama. Yeah, the the decision to uh, to have the previous memory versions of themselves not necessarily being played by children that helped a lot because you can't. I'm sorry, like most child actors are shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not how I saw it, but <laughs> I, I really liked that imagery, like the forced perspective of like them under the table. Like that yeah. was such creative. Like yeah, it's so much more. There's creative. lots of ways it benefits. <laughs> but, but but I'm also saying that could have been a disaster if you got a real kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like that could have been, a, that easily could have been a disaster for in many of those scenes. And they did have a real kid in some of the scenes, but we had voiceover from Jim Carrey and it was like, you know, it was swapping back between his adults in the kid costume and uh-huh. the kid. The memories had like a dreamlike you don't logic scare me to it, anymore. so it was like it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you got that great joke. That's really funny. That and, and it, like it added to like the it added to the comedy, right? Like of them dressed as kids and like Kate Winslet lifts off her skirt or whatever. Yeah. Like that was funny. Like it adds Yuck. a lot to the humor. It wouldn't have been as funny as if if it was just like kids yeah. or whatever. Like that just wouldn't have worked as it's well. So wacky and out there. Yeah, that's when it gets really wacky, but it, it builds to that. Like, it doesn't just start yeah. out wacky. <laughs> like, it's just, It doesn't feel like a Quentin Dupieux film where it's like, oh, this is just wacky for the sake of being wacky and there's no point to it. It's like, no, this is wacky almost <laughs> out of necessity for, like, the story that they're trying to tell. Like, this is... Yeah, that is the eye of the duck scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It was great how it built up to that stuff. I was also going to mention the way that... So when Jim Carrey starts figuring out that uh, none of this is real and that um, everyone he's interacting with is created by himself in his own brain and then and that they are him, sort of they're, they're the manifestations that he's built imagined of other people. When he starts figuring that out and the way that he interacts with them is so incredibly genuine and realistic in terms of how that is. It, like the doctors saying like. So Jim Carrey's like, none of this is real, and the doctor's like, yeah, this is um, this is about what it would look like. Yeah, you're right. Like, just like sort of matter of fact. <laughs> like, th- I feel like I've had conversations like that in my dreams with like characters. It's, it feels so mm-hmm. crazily real. And then you try to imagine if somebody else was writing that, right? And you would probably get something like a very sterile matter of fact exposition heavy explanation of like oh yes this is in your dream then blah 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 instead of it acting like the character like chances are that's how someone else would have written it that's how i imagine anyway like it it, that feels like a familiar way of doing it but then charlie kaufman just like manages to to it's it's like a it's like he birthed a living breathing being 
right? And it exists independently of him now. Like the the film, the story, the art form takes on a life of its own, and it's no longer, you know, just someone's property. It's like it it exists, right? It's it's real somehow. Mm-hmm. I love the um, the imagery of the snow on the beach. I think like location and setting is like a huge thing, especially with that being mm-hmm. reincorporated. Yeah, and just like and the, the aesthetic and, of that. Yeah, right. Like the house and then it crumbling. Like all that imagery was really yeah. great. Yeah, with him walking through the yeah. The yeah, because you could you could imagine like metaphorically like what is snow on a beach? You know, like beach is supposed to be this like happy, nice, warm, like vacationy sort of area, but then you have this layer on top of it, like a layer of snow. There's barely any people out. Everybody, you know, everybody's cold. It's kind of like miserable. The the lighting has changed because it's overcast. You you could interpret that as like you know a layer of snow could be like like I was saying earlier. Like emotions can cloud your judgment and they can be like a lens that you view things through in your mind. Like that that mm-hmm. snow could be like a clouded judgment of like perception of the past based on um, you know being upset at someone. It could be. Uh, you know, there, there's many ways to interpret it. Who knows if any of them are, are intentional or if it just looked nice, right? But um, yeah, just just such perfect imagery for what the film is going for, tone wise and theme wise. I, I love it so much. And the dialogue too. So much of it is like really thought provoking and memorable, or, or like biting, like uh, when it's um, insinuated by I can't remember which character says it, but the um, erased as a lark like mm-hmm. just how like um hammering home how like impulsive she is and how other yeah. other people see her and how like <laughs> how much that crushes him or um i really like that line towards the end uh where kate winslow says she, she's not a concept because mm-hmm. like there is there's this real thing like in movie the, the manic pixie dream girl <laughs> type yeah. uh, type role where it can get lost in like not highlighting any of the dysfunction or just like turning characters into these kind of cartoonish, like tropey messes. But she feels much more real. Like it, like she, she is struggling. She's, she's clearly not uh, fully functional. Like Mm -hmm. she's really has her problems and feels like a real person. And it isn't just this like idealized kind of person. And another one was the, the dining dead scene. A big fan of that mm, one. Yeah. Jim Carrey's kind of like reminiscing <laughs> about how he doesn't want to be one of those couples. Yeah. And I, I'm just realizing how now, now that you mention it about her, you know, being her own character and not this like caricature of, of like desire, like that's kind of like an important, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like we could call it like a feminist uh, representation in this film that it is, if you break it down or, or oversimplify it, let's say, it is kind of a get the girl movie in a way. Like we're through, we're watching it through Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. Carrey's character's perspective and like what is his function in the film. You know, he's lonely. He wants to to be with her, but she is very much like her own agency. She's not this like, she's not this like weird caricature of like what a, a male thinks a woman is although technically it's written by a male and it's you know blah 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 blah. but charlie kaufman Mm -hmm. understands people so much more than that that she's like oh wow she's her own character with her flaws and you know she she's not perfect and um she makes you know her own decisions if you want to say that but 
I love her character design too. I love that she's always got like different hair color and you know that orange jacket and like just this weird sense of style where you know even later in the film you can hear it you can it, it's important in the writing they they say out loud like oh i thought like how cool an orange jacket or you hear her say uh to elijah wood's character like oh wow thank you this is like exactly my style like kind of like a thrift shop necklace sort of thing like she's like nobody mm-hmm. ever knows my taste and things it's like so integral to the character but it's so expressive in the visuals at the same time you know, it's not just random choices to like look cool or look weird. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's perfect. Well, also, it's functional to like the narrative. It helps you keep track exactly. of like what part of the timeline you're you're interacting with. Yeah, got a great um, a great sense of continuity to the film. Yeah, it's never confusing in a way that's like distracting or pulls you out of it. It's always you're always right there with the characters experiencing what you should be. You're not like questioning like the rules or like how how this makes sense or where are we again? Or it's yeah, it's it's really clear. Mm-hmm. I'd also like <laughs> I took a note here of uh, this is this is back with uh, just how shitty Elijah Wood's character is, um, and just how like <laughs> accurate it is to like these types of manipulative fucking loser people. Um, <laughs> at the point they they very subtly kind of introduce um, in the timeline of chronology that it's only been a week since they performed the operation on the procedure on uh, Kate Winslet's character and so like only one week has passed if, if, like I don't know if he started dating her like the day after already but when he gets a phone call from her while they're doing the operation on Jim Carrey he's he says something like I gotta go. I'm having a situation with the old lady. Like, you're saying that, like, all, it's been a week yeah. since you've, like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Like, what a creep. He's such a fucking creep, dude. It's insane. Yeah, he's really f- disturbing. Yeah. It's, it's such a freaky angle. Yeah. So cool. Just everything about it. We didn't mention the music. The music is, like, one of the best scores. John Bryan. Yeah. I like the credit song. Oh, yeah. That's so, Beck. Most song at the end. Yeah, I like, I do like that song. Like it fits really. It fits yeah. better than Mr. Blue Sky does. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've been kind of quiet because I'm just looking into. So there was a 4K release of the movie. Yeah, I just on, watched on 4K, it. which I got. Yeah, I watched it too. Uh, how was it? Um, it looks great, and, and like I'm just reading about like the process behind it because I don't believe they had a, a film negative to transfer. I, I think it was shot. digitally. Yeah, it didn't look as crisp as. I don't know if mm. it was digital because you'd think that it would have a really low frame rate, like a Michael, like 2004 digital, like wasn't really, I don't know if it was. I'm sh- not entirely sure. I don't think they had a film negative that they could easily like transfer in, into 4K because like usually you have the film negative and they just like, right, it's whatever definition is on that. Um, but what were you saying? Somebody told me that they shot it in film, but like put a weird kind of. I don't know if they said blurring or like almost kind of some kind of filter over it to give it more of like a dreamlike. Yeah, filters on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that way it doesn't yeah, look as sense. crisp. But that's just like a, the, yeah. to the nature of how the film is, and not really like the necessarily the quality of the transfer. So right, I'm not sure, but it, it looks yeah. great. It's not just like it's not perfect and. You know, it's not as perfect as like just transferring a 4K print because they didn't have like a film negative of that, mm-hmm. and they couldn't rebuild like the entire movie 
um, because that yeah. would have been too expensive, especially with all the visual effects and all that. But it looks great. Um, yeah, I was just looking into that stuff because it was that was very like complicated. Apparently, they put like a lot of work and money into like remastering this film and making it look good, and I really appreciate that. And it looks accurate to how I remember it. So yeah, yeah. It, the director of photography says like this is the way like you should be watching it like it's the best looking home release of it perfect it's basically how it looked in like when it was released in theaters mm-hmm. like this is like how he wants you to see it i'm like okay i can see that like they point out especially kate winslet's hair has like mm-hmm. a very like um oh yeah dreamlike magical quality to it True. In, in this mm-hmm. one yeah the rest of the film is like um, slightly undersaturated but then her hair like kind of jumps yeah out. it's not yeah exactly yeah it's like very silver blue gray yeah like kind of dreary tones, dreamlike tones. Yeah, it's not all bright. Yeah, it's yeah, like a cool. uh, much more subtle version of like those effects in Sin City, <laughs> you know. But like thematically for this <laughs> film, it's like sure she sticks out from the crowd, and he, you know, he says that in the dialogue. Oh, orange sweatshirt. But not only visually, but like she is the light of his life, essentially. Like his life is is dreary and unexciting, but she is this like you know there there's. There's a reason why he's attracted to her, why he is, is emotionally attracted to her. Um, she mm-hmm. lights up his life in that way. She is the color in this yeah, otherwise coffee. dreary, overcast um, setting. So, yeah, the visuals perfectly match the themes and thoughts of the characters. Yeah, it says here, the film was finished with a digital intermediate to help facilitate Gondry's desire to insert digital composite effects there throughout we are. the film. So maybe they didn't have yeah. that original okay. negative or whatever yeah, where they'd have to like sense. re-edit good... all of that like you know that's yeah. that's way too much money <laughs> they can't do that exactly. i mean for certain movies they could just not for an indie film like this mm-hmm. this is kind of indie it's like in the middle yeah around there it's not like a 200 million dollar movie um i feel like they they did the best they could with like their resources i think it looks great i'd recommend the 4k yeah, yeah. for sure um it's the best way to watch it yeah 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 i, I got a lot out of that Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, interesting film stuff there. The uh, <laughs> Howard's wife, she only gets like a couple minutes in the movie, but she was great. Yeah, yeah. Sure. memorable yeah. <laughs> little argument and what she reveals. That's yeah. like a fun, well, fucked up moment. The way like. she sort sort of like chokes on her words when she's like, "Thanks a lot," you know, mm-hmm. like to Mark Ruffalo. Pushes like, him over, yeah, yeah. A little hit. Yeah, so fucking everybody feels real. Every character just feels like a real person. Yeah. I think the film would have benefited a lot from uh, if they were all speaking Comanche. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, like, every, yeah, like, people get pissed. At, sometimes I'll be like, I'll have a complaint about a movie, and then I'll say, here's an example of a film that did it right, and it's like a Charlie Kaufman movie. It's like a, a masterpiece, and people are like, did you seriously just compare this movie to like a, a like an art house movie it's like yeah i'm making these comparisons because here's an example of something where it feels authentic right it's not impossible to do you just have to like care about the movie you're making a bit more <laughs> right you have to be talented like that yeah I'm, it, it when something feels inauthentic in a film i you know i compare yeah. it to think something that i feel was authentic 
You know? Nothing in the film itself feels like a marketing decision, like except maybe like the casting of the big actors, but they all fit perfectly. Yeah, it it got to exist and be what it wanted to be. Yeah, like the 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 most the studio interfered with is, I guess, the trailer. You know, so mm-hmm. right that trailer. I, I also this is a little factoid is is like because they were an independent, you know, low, low budget production. Um, because of the nature of their filmmaking and the small crew, there are parts of the movies that they just kind of filmed on a whim. They would be like, oh, like it's snowing. Let's like go, go outside and have them like play outside in the snow. Or um, that parade with like the elephant and stuff. They literally just, there was like a parade happening outside and they were like, let's go down there from the apartment. And just like they started filming there. And so apparently a lot of the camera flashes you see were like the paparazzi trying to get shots of Jim Carrey. Um, and then they just like did ADR over top oh. of it. And so that was like just a real oh, thing cool. that was happening, I guess, in like New <laughs> York or whatever. Yeah. So they get to like use those opportunities because they're a smaller production. I love it. That's neat. Yeah. I guess it kind of gives it an improvisational kind of nature. Yeah. Fucking love the music. It's it's John Bryan's soundtrack in this is so versatile within the same film. Like it's it's not like oh versatile throughout his like entire filmography. This is like very unique and versatile sounds within one film. Um, there's so much memorable, great stuff happening. Like oh god, the sound effects of the you know that that like beeping noise whenever they the delete a memory, and then at the beginning of the movie yeah. you don't know what that is, and then you learn over time like why that's happening at the end of the each scene and. Oof. Film is alive, and it is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And I could talk forever about this. I'm just watching the trailer again. <laughs> You're like dancing in their underwear. Mr. Blue Sky's playing. I'm like, yeah, this is not. This is not the whole movie, though. Like, oh, yeah. I just opened it and was like, <laughs> from that time code, <laughs> where he's like screaming in misery, screaming in misery, and then it starts Blue Sky. Yeah. Thank you for letting me know about that. Because I always wondered why that was in the soundtrack. I was so dun, confused. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is very, it's very jarring. And you know why they chose the song is because the fucking sunshine and blue sky. Or like, you know, it was just the title. Like, yeah. oh, sunshine, sky. Like, it's a happy... Oh. That usually falls, like, with so many artful directors or writers and like art films they they have no idea like how to market their movie or there's like a different department <laughs> that the studio brings in to like market it and it's just like so sad. i'm sure if you left it up to charlie kaufman and michelle gondry it would be a faithful marketing but it, unfortunately sure. it's just a different department and they have nothing to do with right. it. they just get sent some clips they're like yeah. sell this shit <laughs> right the studio doesn't trust them to like sell it they're like which is got so these lame or like yeah it is lame like i like um <laughs> We, we've talked about directors who, like, edit their own trailers. Like, I think Jordan Peele and, and Chris Nolan, obviously. Like, I love mm. their trailers. Like, I love watching the trailers because they're such mm-hmm. a part of the movie. Like, the Tenet trailer doesn't even give away anything. Like, I, I like that. And, yeah. Or nope. Of yeah. course. Yeah. What, what they get that privilege because yeah. they're just so successful. Did I ever tell you, um, PTA, the original trailer for There Will Be Blood, he released without the permission of the studio, and they were pissed at him, but it got so much buzz from the movie, they were like, ah, oh, whatever. 
because like he he literally just yeah, like oh. uploaded that trailer on YouTube, the original trailer for uh, There Will Be Blood, where it's just like Daniel Plainview saying some stuff and like by the campfire, like the, this weird ass fucking tone of just like the the string instruments and like it was so perfect and that got me so interested in seeing the movie. Like I was yeah. I was so young, yeah. like I was barely into like art films at that point. I didn't know who Paul Thomas Anderson was at the time. I don't think, but I saw that trailer. I was like, this looks so unique that I have to see it. And that's yeah. what you get when the directors and writers are, you know, they market their own shit. When they are creating something unique, you want to sell it as a unique film because that's faithful to what it is. That's yeah. accurate to what it is. Like, right. let people who want to see that sort of thing be interested in it. Stop trying to box it into a fucking genre. Pieces of well, shit. Yeah. And it's their story. <laughs> they know it better than anyone. No, I, yeah. I was just uh, flicking through that trailer. It's hilarious. It's actually insane what <laughs> yeah. they're doing. Like using the clip of Elijah Wood with the googly eyes and stuff and like the dancing <laughs> on the bed, making it look like a straight yeah. comedy. This is... Because, uh, you, <laughs> you know, it's Jim Carrey. You got to sell it to like, yeah, that crowd. True. But that's not the crowd this is yeah. for. And so many marketing tra- like marketing people, they edit every trailer the same. It's like music with the names of the celebrities that are in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't... Like, a lot of these trailers that I like, they don't, like, it doesn't say, like, the names of the actors or whatever. Or, like, this summer. Like, it's like it has, mm-hmm. like, clips from it and, like, music. And it doesn't give away a lot. Like, that's a huge thing. It doesn't give away anything. Like, uh, I, I, yeah. It's just it's tr- the trailer did everything wrong, in my opinion, uh, for this. I don't mean to harp on it. But it's just, like, an interesting... Like, I feel like the film would have done so much better if it was marketed accurately. And I even think yeah. of... um. You the Deadpool know. situation where Ryan Reynolds released that like animated clip of like the car chase scene from mm-hmm. Deadpool and like that drummed up so much publicity for the film. I'm sure that's a reason why they actually ended up making it in, in the first place. And that scene is like basically recreated in live action in the film. And it's just like, yeah, the like the, the creators understand the film much more than a marketing team does. And they should have more of a say in it to avoid this kind of shit. Like to avoid these kind of misleading trailers because it does impact the box office. I feel. I just sent uh, <laughs> the UK DVD <laughs> cover <laughs> art for Synecdoche New York. The Synecdoche New York, the smash hit comedy of the year. Holy shit! <laughs> I know. Yeah. And th- and then the, the five star yeah, reviews hilarious. at the top. The selectively uh, edited quotes of just astonishing, hilarious. Metro says, hilarious. That's the only thing you want to get out of their five-star review they gave the fucking film. That's the only part you want to communicate on the fucking DVD cover. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah, this is one of the funniest fucking movies ever. You're going to be laughing in your fucking grave. Holy shit. Like, let Charlie Kaufman do his own shit. Nobody gives a... I'm so sad for him. He's like one of the most... (laughs) The most... My favorite fucking screenwriter, one of the most talented people working in the industry, and just like all all of his recent films, they're just like not making enough money, and so nobody like gives him an opportunity to do anything, and so he's just like, oh, fuck, it's so sad. So sad. Yeah, he's almost like too creative. (laughs) Yeah. I just like how the title... it It says how to pronounce the title. It's like a little bubble on the top this Ugh. is how to pronounce synecdoche yeah how quirky what that's, a quirky that's, movie that's really funny oh <laughs> synecdoche new york oh jesus <laughs> yeah yeah it's um you know everything in a film is important even like how you sell it to people the audience you're going for you're like yeah what is the audience you want for this kind of film like that's a huge part of it you need to like you know understand that is not like what would you say is the audience for this like everyone this is like one of the like i yeah yeah it's it's sure. it's one of the most yeah, it's hard to say 
I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie. Like, there is yeah, a right. bit of a barrier. You mm. might get some people who, you know, you might get some people who are, like, too confused and turn it off. You might get a couple of those people. But overall, yeah. like, even even the people that are confused by it, I think most of them at least are interested in it because it's so, like, the visuals and, like, everything that's happening. And then by the end of the movie, they might not be so confused and figure everything out and what maybe watch it a second time. I think this movie is for everybody. It's, like, one of the most accessible despite there being some of a barrier <laughs> in terms of its presentation, it is really, really accessible. It's probably the most ex- ex- accessible art house film ever made, where you can call it accessible yeah, and art house at the mm-hmm. same time. There's very few of those. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's made for everyone, too. Yeah. Like, I'd recommend this film to anybody, yeah. basically. There's nobody that shouldn't see this movie. <laughs> but, like, when you're in a marketing room, you're like, it's made for everybody. You're like, all right, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like, it's just so many movies that are such shit. Jim Carrey, comedy. It's romantic yeah. comedy with Jim Carrey. It makes it look like a piece of shit. Well, yeah, it does. But it's just, like, so many movies get released that suck because they just, they know their audience. They know the audience it's making it for. Like, okay, this is an action movie. It's made for men 40 to 50. Or, like, yeah, you know, 20 to 40. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's, yeah. like, how they pitch it. And then, and then the producer should go oh okay and they don't like see anything more than that that's how these movies get fucking made like even if they (laughs) suck because they're going for like and then you have something like this it's like so much more thoughtful than that like it it treats everyone like there's shared experiences in life like but like a marketing team just doesn't see that They, they think that it's too broad or i don't know what they're thinking but it's just very sad like the 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 way films are made at this point and you know, it's refreshing to get films like this that are, you know, very thoughtful and intelligent and yeah, and, and they're made for lots of people. They're very relatable. The, the the emotions and the situations in this film are very believable and relatable to most people, to anyone who's been in a relationship, which is most people at some mm-hmm. point, even if it's a friendship, mm-hmm. even if it's like you, your parents, like it's just very Yeah, relatable. like one of the customers in the... Yeah, um place where they do the procedure was like a woman who was had had clearly just buried her dog and she had like a bone and like a yeah, picture of her dog like exactly it's not even just about romantic relationships you know it's it's about loss in general it's about mm-hmm. you know struggling with your own mind and wanting that that universal uh fantasy of wanting to forget um and yeah. you know time is the only thing that really heals and you can still keep a memory and hopefully it gets better for you over time and it doesn't uh devastate you as much over time or maybe you do learn to forget over time but you know time is what heals rather than brain damage you know so <laughs> there's a great um world building detail in that scene with the the woman with the dog bone and stuff mm-hmm. where kirsten dunce is like on the phone saying like no, i'm sorry you can't book a more <laughs> yeah. than three times in a <laughs> yeah yeah it's against our policy <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because yeah. it is. It is such a like. It would be such a a desire for like if it was a technology that could exist. Like people, they couldn't help themselves. Like it really is one of those uh, Pandora's boxes that should <laughs> remain closed. Yeah, really. Yeah, incredible movie. Yeah. I could talk about this forever, but um, I guess this, we should probably give ratings and go into question time. This is a great discussion. Thank you. Yeah, we said a lot. Um, I'll start. I'll g- I gave it a 10. I give a lot of movies a 10. That's not because I think like every movie's a 10 or whatever. We talk about great movies on the show. <laughs> it's a very select pool of films. <laughs> so like, yeah. This well, is- maybe you should give it an 11 then. 
<laughs> yeah, so maybe I should recommend yeah, fives or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but this is a ten. It's 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 everything I said. It's thoughtful. It's emotional. It's seriously. It's like immaculate work. It's really great film that I'd recommend to basically anybody. Um, I love this film. This is this is great. This is one of Charlie Kaufman's. It might be his best film in my opinion. I think it's the best thing he's worked on. I, I just love this movie. I think it's absolutely great. Um, and I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah. So 10, easy 10, easiest 10 I've given in a, in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. This is, a, this is a five star perfect 10. I hadn't even thought about the, the like audience thing, like how it is like an art house, weird, like memory erasing, confusing, like movie, but it, it does have the broadness. It's got nearly a million ratings on uh, yeah. IMDb. Wow. With a really high average score. That's why I, I mean, got a 4K. It, it's the perfect combo. You don't do that unless people are watching. Yeah, yeah. It's the perfect combo of talent. Yeah, you got that. You got the Kaufman script and Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet leading. Gondry's direction. It's just the perfect package. I think I'm there with you. It might be my favorite uh, Kaufman uh, script. But, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'd recommend it to anyone. Uh, and the, Yeah, the discussion has just made me honestly want to want to watch it again thinking about all these different aspects there's there's so much going on it's so creative yeah. it's so it is everything that you you could want from a film yeah me too I watch yeah it. i'll be uh watching this one every once in a while for the rest of my life really um yeah that yeah i feel like you could watch it every like five years and get like new perspectives just based on your own experiences and like new relationships you've been through or yeah. seen or experienced is is yeah yeah, in ten, 10 years, we'll get a John Favreau remake and <laughs> that misinterprets yeah. everything that was good about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to make it look like a documentary. <laughs> Just because. Uh, yeah, love this movie. One of my favorite movies ever. It's always going to be with me. Um, and I'm giving this one a 6 out of 10. I'm giving it a 10. <laughs> it's, a, it's a 10 out of 10. Easy 10. Um yeah it's just fucking perfect and you can talk for hours about what there is to appreciate in this film and how well it works with itself and everything everything about it i love it so um triple 10 nice yeah all right time for questions Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicus community. Head over to the suggestion thread on the subreddit if you want to ask us anything like the Backwards Man did. Oh, geez. What is the worst Blu-ray or 4K that you've encountered? Oh, that was a... Uh, <laughs> yep, yeah, that's just... A, the Backwards Man is just flooding back to me. Backwards Man, the Backwards Man. <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> whether it be because of the version of the film included the restoration or any other reason you can think of so the worst blu-ray or 4k transfer you've encountered i'm just pissed off that when i started collecting physical media there were a bunch of cool like special edition thing like the dvds that came out for certain movies had so much cool extra shit and like physical things and blah 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 that was like at the peak of like physical media and then blu-rays come out and it looks better and then it's like okay well it's just the disc and like a couple features and you're missing half the features that were on the dvd that i already owned like the fucking memento collector's edition like holy shit i wish that was a blu-ray but fuck and now it's like well now i now i own both because i don't want to lose the cool shit from the dvd even though i would 
gladly get rid of my DVD if you just kept the same cool shit for the Blu-ray, but... Yeah, that is lame. I had a uh, really strange uh, one of these a few weeks back when I bought Swiss Army Man on iTunes, Mm -hmm. um, which recently got like a 4K update. Oh, shit. And I'd never seen this before on like a a movie on iTunes, but the video and audio are out of sync. Uh Uh-oh. But by like uh. a good like three or four seconds, it's, it's genuinely fucking unwatchable. I was watching for like ten minutes. Was that on like, forums? Yeah, I was. Oh, I shit. thought it maybe <laughs> it was just like where I was watching it. Yeah, I looked it up, and there's like a thread on Reddit of like people like yeah, the 4K like update or whenever they did it on iTunes is like wow, it. that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually unwatchable. That's I've never seen that yeah. before. That's actually awful. Yeah, huh. that was only yeah. a few weeks back. I wonder, wonder if they so, fixed it. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, fix your shit, iTunes. Jesus. Oh my god, my um, my Blu-ray for Sunshine, um, was a great Blu-ray, and then at a certain point in time, there was like an update that happened for like the firmware for like all Blu-ray players, so like PS3 and like everything some sort of like mm. universal update for blu-ray players that after that update the pop-up video on top of video commentary would show up on top of the film about 10 minutes into it and you wouldn't be able to turn it off and it was a big enough <laughs> uh, we there was like a disc replacement thing process that we had to go through to get a new one basically but it was like wow like there was an update on blu-ray players in general that made that bricked my blu-ray <laughs> and there was i swear that something sucks. similar happened to um my crank blu-ray but there was no like forum or replacement thing about it and i don't know it was just like wow this blu-ray worked forever and now it doesn't work on anything it was so weird i don't know what happened so i had to get another one yeah i gotta say mine was um i got the 4k of terminator 2 and i was just like looking into this now because when i was watching it it, it looked it looked very weird it didn't look like a 4k transfer kind of mm. looked like it was upscaled in certain yeah. parts like they used ai to upscale it and it did look like for a movie that high profile i thought it kind of looked like shit at parts like there's a, a subreddit for 4k blu-ray and sometimes there will be like threads that people give like asking questions about quality of certain blu-rays and some of these people have like They've got lists of like, here's some that just have terrible transfers because there's a lot of, you know, there's certain studios where uh, they'll just kind of shit out their 4K release and they wouldn't, won't put that mm-hmm. care into getting a good looking or accurate transfer. You know, like it's the same thing with Disney Plus putting The Simpsons on it and cropping it and you miss like half the jokes. Yeah. It's like these, uh, these companies, <laughs> a lot of them don't give a shit. <laughs> About, like, integrity so or the art. They're just like, oh, we're just going to put it on the thing. Like, fuck you. It's so annoying. Yeah. I'm trying to look up what DNR means because the people are saying that's the problem. Do not resuscitate. It just looks like the... <laughs> in terms of 4K know, upscaling, I'm trying to... Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it had this weird effect where, like, people looked like wax figures. Like, you could tell the upscaling... Weird. On them. Yeah, like, I think I heard that. It looked, it looked very bad. Blu-ray wasn't great. Um, that was T2, right? 
Yeah, T two, and I expected yeah. much more from a film like that. I know it's so high profile, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I really that's wasn't strange. that. Ha- that's that's the worst one I have. I you know people look like wax figures. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And and like the color is off in certain scenes. It looks like it was just upscaled from like maybe a, a 1080 or a 2K. Wow, and it just—it's very distracting. Yeah, and I—I'd especially—I'd expect more from James Cameron of all people, who's like you know groundbreaking fucking director in terms of visuals. It, it was very strange. Yeah, I don't think he oversaw it. I, I think he did. I really? think it was like a, no. What? Yeah, I think that was in the news as well. It's like James Cameron oversaw the the transfer. Oh, he must have been like he was busy. I don't know, doing something else. He was busy. <laughs> yeah, he was busy editing Avatar two, and he like glanced over at his phone or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he watched it on his fucking telephone. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, it looks fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's a shame because I expected much more from that. I hope T two gets a gets a good transfer eventually. That's one of my favorite action movies yeah i hope they give refunds or some shit yeah whenever there's like an extra frame and like a criterion release they do a refund because people are so fucking like they they tout this level of quality and then it's like uh-oh like something goofed yeah, up so they, they wind up doing like a disc replacement thing yeah there's apparently like in the 4k blu-ray for uh 12 monkeys which we which i watched uh for our the podcast recommendation that we did a few weeks back um Apparently, there's a minor issue with that that I didn't notice, but I'm going to do the disc replacement anyway, just because, like, okay, if there was an issue, like, uh, apparently there was, like, sound from another scene that played for, like, one second and one that wasn't supposed to be there or something. I don't even remember. But it was, like, some weird shit where someone was like, that's not how the movie is. And then they're doing a disc replacement. (laughs) It's like, well, I'm glad you're fixing it, at least. Yeah. The... Blu-ray that I would say you shouldn't expect to look like a Blu-ray would be 28 Days Later. Because it was shot on digital in, what, 2000? Yeah. Or something? Let's see. (laughs) Yeah, 28 Days Later, it came out in 2002. It was shot on digital where digital was not a reasonable way to shoot films, but it was an artistic choice. And so it was like, it, it looks pixelated as shit, but it's not because of the transfer it's because of the way they filmed it. There is no higher quality version. So it looks like you're watching like a fucking... (laughs) If you're used to Blu-ray, it feels like you're watching 240p on YouTube, even though it's not. But it's like, holy shit, why why can I see pixels? It's, oh, it was just, that's how the movie was shot. It was an artistic choice at the time. And maybe that's not upscaled like the Terminator 2 one was. It's yeah, very obvious they upscaled certain things. I'm like, wow, that guy looks like a wax figure. (laughs) It's like like going to Madame Tussauds. Yeah, upscaling, you know, it's just an AI. It's not going to look good. Not at this point. Yeah. Yeah, not quite, yeah. 28 Days Later is a good movie, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone about that very fact the other day, and they said it, it didn't really hurt it in any way. Yeah, you get used to it bit. pretty quickly. Whatever resolution yeah, yeah. you're watching it in, it, you get you get over it in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to, to have yeah. 4K, though. I like having a higher resolution, but... You know, it doesn't make something unwatchable. I just try to get it in whatever best quality I can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Super Rider 108 underscore MC 
says this. What are your thoughts on the recent tax write-offs made at Warner Bros. Discovery from cancelling films already in production, cancelling beloved shows, or outright deleting shows and movies from HBO Max with no legal way of watching them? Beloved originals like Infinity Train were outright wiped from both the platform and essentially erased from any social media platform promoting the show, almost as if they never existed. In a legal sense, it's a way to avoid paying creators any residuals. Personally, I think it's rather insulting to the various creative teams who work tirelessly to put out projects they're passionate about, dissuading any sort of artistic freedom and heartbreaking to ultimately have your hard work be deemed lost media. Yeah. So I guess this was tying into the whole... Like, I've been just seeing all this stuff about HBO Max and stuff disappearing, and I'm it's not in this country, so I'm still kind of confused as to what's really going on, but... Yeah, I don't think do that think? anything I was yeah. watching is gone, but it's still crazy to just remove content when a lot of the content they're removing is like, it's Max Originals. They're not paying a license to keep it on the platform because they already own it. Like, the company itself owns the license to it already. So they're what they're trying to do is just be like, oh, we just don't want to pay the creators. But then, like, how does that make any sense? Because wouldn't the money you're paying the creators just come from the subscriptions anyway? And it would be... Um, you know, you 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 would know how much to pay them based on how much people are clicking on it. Like, if no one's clicking on the movie, you don't have to pay them anything, right? Like, as far as I'm concerned, like the way the model works would be similar to Spotify. I would I would think that's how it works, where more people click or listen to something, and then you get more of a share of uh, the subscription money. You'd imagine, right? Yeah, right. So the only yeah, it, as soon as we're dealing with this, thinking of it as a a tax write-off, then we're getting into the territory of like, okay, there's some complicated shit going on and people are crunching numbers in ways that I don't understand where I guess because they wrote those as canceled, then they like have that as a loss on their taxes or something like, but, 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 but I don't know what the fuck's going on, but it's really fucking gross <laughs> that they're just like, yeah, we're saving yeah. some money. Like as if you're going to go bankrupt without like canceling all these shows, like the Batgirl movie, it doesn't matter if it's shit. It was done, right? It was done. Fucking release it, release it somewhere. Like, and how much are they spent? That was like, what? 60, 90 million or yeah, so? Yeah. 90 Jesus million. Christ. I think. People 90. worked on that shit. That was very weird. Even if it's bad, let us fucking laugh at it. You'll make a little bit they of don't money. Want, like to value the brand of Warner Brothers. I mean, that one. At least they didn't release that. Like, the, I understand the back row one, but like taking away content that's like already on there. Right? Yeah, it's just feel bad. For I mostly feel bad for the creators of the of the shows and like yeah they should have they should at least give the rights back to the original creators or sign yeah. some kind of deal so they could release it in their own way on Blu-ray or something because yeah like now there is literally no yeah, way yeah if you don't want to release it just don't craft people torrent it yeah like people are going to torrent it now like I'm not really in favor of torrenting I I don't like that but like if that's the only way to watch something and exactly. like they're not making it available it's like okay well you've basically left people with no choice but to watch it illegally or on some site where it'll probably be shittier quality because like people are going to stream it on like tune.com or whatever that site is called <laughs> you know some shit like that like that's basically what you've resulted people to which is not that's not right either it's, you know, and if it was up to the creator, I mean, that's one thing. But yeah, it's like some studio executive who owns the rights. You fucking sell it to somebody else then. Like, sell it for a dollar, give somebody else the rights. Don't prevent people. Right. Know? I'm glad with, like, my own work and my own films, like, I own all the rights to it. I never sold it to anyone because, like, you know, I, I always, like, I think any artist is fearful of that happening. Like, them just, like, burying your work or, or 
misselling it or doing something wrong. Like at least I own everything I've made. If I want to get rid of it or if I want to sell it, I can. Like it's my choice. Yeah, exactly. I'm terrified of selling the rights to my shit to anyone. That's why I'm not like on a label. You know, like I could really like well, yeah. promote myself mm-hmm. and do that. You know, like I've worked with Blondie. I'm sure like I, you know, I could get on a label if I really tried, but like I'm terrified of just not being able to do what I want with my music or anything I create. I don't like that. I would rather go independent. Yeah. I believe that's like what Harvey Weinstein did with a lot of films. Like he would um, buy the rights and then just basically bury them or put them in like a vault and, and, you know, never release them or never, you know, it's something he's done. Like, I think that's something a lot of producers have done. Yeah, they they just have no respect for the amount of work that went into it. They just bury it. And something like Batgirl, that's not even out yet. They want to save more money on like potential marketing or whatever. And I guess I understand that. The movie might be bad. I think that's part of it. People saying like, oh, it could be good. I'm like, nah, it's probably not good if they don't want to release it. But yeah, like (laughs) all these shows that are already on there and they got rid of. like It's not even like Disney Plus. They have things that are not on there, but they haven't like taken anything off, I believe. Yeah, I don't think they're concerned about quality. I mean, they have like the original Fantastic Four on there, I think, and like a bunch of shit. (laughs) So they don't care. Cheetah, like shit from the 80s that like no one cares about. But yeah, I don't know. It's, It's very, I feel bad for the creators mostly. Like that's mostly how I feel. They should have the right to do like what they want with the thing they made mostly. Um, I guess they didn't put money into it. So this is like fresh after a merger. So now it's Warner Bros. Discovery. And so, like, there's yeah. a new CEO doing this or something, right? This is this is like part of their merger uh, result, is my understanding at least. Yeah. It's just some random guy. Yeah, yeah. And what's weird about it is like, I don't know. Like, I've always considered Warner Brothers to be like pretty good faith, you know, as much as a corporation could be pretty good faith about like media preservation and them like bringing you know they had all the access to to these like hd quality files of the old looney tunes cartoons and you know they they famously will say things like oh yeah we're gonna include you know just a little title being being like yeah there's some racist shit here it's better showing it than pretending it never existed right whereas like disney's been the one Mm -hmm. being like erase history we were never racist mickey mouse haha you know like so i've always considered warner brothers to be like yeah, this is you know this is a company that like actually you know appears to care about like preservation in some way, and now it's like oh shit, they're just like deleting a bunch of Max original shows like stuff like who come on come on, so annoying you know a lot of this shit happens when you know you get like a really good company that operates in a way that I like and then they get bought by something else or merged with something else and then it's like oh wow now they're acting exactly like every other shit corporation that I'm used to like fuck this is this is making me concerned about because we're in the streaming age now there's so much content that is locked onto these streaming services and it's some of them don't even have ways to buy them physically so what's going to start happening in a few decades like some of this stuff is just going to start like just disappearing into the ether and there'll be no way of even everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a lame kind of byproduct of this strategy of releasing content, I guess. Yeah. You just have to archive everything. Yeah. I suppose on a kind of similar note, Pup Ping Pitch says, how would you handle the shitstorm around the flashes release that Ezra Miller caused if you are Warner Bros exec? So I guess that's what the ba- the Batgirl thing is confusing me because 
that that movie that's as far as i'm aware they haven't cancelled it as of us recording it like publicly um. <laughs> no <laughs> so funny. they were filming reshoots for ezra miller in between their arrests which is crazy like in between <laughs> like being in jail like they were like hey can you come back for you got a promise you're not gonna go back to jail and they're like yes <laughs> yes warner brothers and then they just <laughs> then that now they're beating up people in a different state yeah so they apologized yeah, or something. <laughs> like fuck. How many like months later? Who gives a shit? That means nothing. Yeah. yeah, damage is done. Yeah, right. So for the things he did, there's no like apologizing. It's not like minor they. shit he did. Like locking kids in his house with guns. And <laughs> yeah, there's a lot people. of there's a lot of weird shit. It's like yeah, there's no yeah, there's no like apologizing for that at this point. I feel, but I you know I, I don't think they should. I just, I don't, they could do whatever the fuck they want. I'm not going to see that shit in theaters. I might watch it on HBO Max. I hate their character so much and their portrayal of the, that character so much and find it so <laughs> annoying. It's the most annoying shit in the world. It is bad. The Flash is terrible in the Justice League. He's so fucking bad in, in both versions. Like, I love a good train wreck, but I want to come out of the movie, like, alive. Yeah, like I want to yeah. come out of it like with a brain. So yeah, I can't do it. That that character in, in that movie, yeah, sucks. I'm not watching that in theaters. Fucking release that on H Max. Make that a Max original. Yeah, they're kind of stuck, aren't they? But yeah, they're trying to like rebrand. They've, they've invested so much money. Like, mm -hmm. what are you supposed to? You just gonna eat that? Like really? <laughs> the it's, DC a, universe it's a so whole funny. production. There's like fucking hundreds of people involved in making these right, things. Right. Canceling it, it might be worth it for the the longevity of like the DC brand because they're trying to compete with Marvel again. They're trying to like reinvent themselves after the the Snyder cut and all that like shit and uh, Batman vs Justice League, Batman vs Superman, yeah. and like maybe it's worth it to do that. But at the same time, it's like. I, you know, I don't know what to do. It's a very complicated situation because I feel like no one's going to see this movie. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Michael Keaton's in it. Yeah, Michael Keaton's in it as Batman. So he's Batman now again. <laughs> oh? I believe Michael yeah, I Keaton know. was in Batgirl also, I think. Maybe not, but I feel like I saw him on a name, on a list. I feel I feel like people would see it, though. I feel like it's such a like dramatic like, yeah, thing to exist would. now. Maybe that's what they're trying to figure out now. They're doing, like, focus testing to see, like, if people would still see the movie. Like, how many people know? How many people actually care? Because in the long, in the grand scheme of things, like, these movies make billions of dollars. They're released in, like, different countries. Who, who knows if people are, like, as aware of what's going on as, like, we are, where we're looking on, on, like, the internet all the time. Like, it might not even matter for something like that. Like people not might not even give a shit. Like people who even know, they'll be like, "Oh, I'll see it anyway because it's the Flash. I got to bring my my family to see something." Like you know, there's so many other factors there. I I you know, it's it's very confusing to me. I don't know why you'd want to release yeah. the movie, but I'm just looking at the cast listing on 9DB. It's got it's got Michael Shannon in there, Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton. It wasn't like a a small like throwaway kind of Batgirl type project. Like there there were, cl there were cl clearly a lot like riding on this. <laughs> it's mm, such a strange yeah. situation. Yeah, that actress too plays Batgirl. I like never seen her in anything yeah. before. <laughs> like I I, no, I had no idea who she was. It wasn't like Gal Gadot. I think Gal Gadot was in like 
the Fast and Furious movies before, and they set her up in Batman versus Superman. So I think people knew who she was by the time they made Wonder Woman, and that's like mm-hmm. why it was successful. Like I don't think anyone knows who this Batgirl is. Like I don't think anyone knows the actress. <laughs> I don't think anyone cares. But yeah, maybe they could have just released it on HBO Max or something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wish I had an answer. <laughs> Very complicated. I'm eager to find out what decision they are going to make though, because they're going to yeah. have to decide like at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one last question. Okay, let's do this final one from Mersh7850. I've been catching up on this podcast over the course of a year on my fucking phone. Listening to you guys helped me get over the mind-numbing boredom of work. The city of Albuquerque recently unveiled statues of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman at our local community center to commemorate the show for all that it's done for our economy and film industry. However, a considerable amount of people are upset about the presence of these statues, especially some of our GOP candidates, (laughs) thinking they gave our city a bad image for glorifying fictional drug dealers. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's fine. They're characters in a show. They're actors. Yeah, there's plenty of real statues of people that are not very good. They're actors wearing... It's a statue of actors wearing costumes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i would expect it i was kind of shut when i heard that they were putting a statue there of those characters i was like oh really that doesn't sound like something that you'd have but it's pretty cool it's unique it's based you know bring in some tourism or something and yeah. stop crying and stop <laughs> yeah. virtue signaling very interesting choice i don't know i'm, yeah. I'm fine with it <laughs> it's a statue of rocky and uh philly yeah why not yeah. Yeah. Well, Rocky's like more of a good guy, I guess. <laughs> but he beats people up. It's characters. That's glorifying violence. Yeah. yeah, you could say that. It's just like <laughs> characters. Yeah, you know, it's like it's a creation of a person. You could say it's like just celebrating the person's creation of a character. Yeah, celebrating the story and its relevance in pop culture. Yeah. It's not saying, come on, everyone, let's be uh, meth dealers now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not promoting meth dealers, right? <laughs> Yeah, really silly. Really, really stupid. All right. Yeah, well, people are going to be dumb. So I guess that was it for questions. Um, we got a recommendation. I believe it's from Ralph. Um, what have you got oh, for it's us? my turn. So I would, I would right. like to point out, uh, we only have a week to watch, but since I don't think we're, you know, there might not be other like stuff coming out in theaters that you know to fill up a first part of the podcast if you did have a double feature i wouldn't be opposed to kind of give us mm-hmm. like an extra thing to are you guys okay with a double feature i'm comfortable if with you it. got one in mind okay um it could be a trilogy too i i, I don't know um so i'll, I'll recommend this because i was thinking about this i'll recommend um the michael bay films bad boys one and two okay Okay. Okay, shit. And there's a third one, which I haven't seen. If you want to talk about that one. Yeah, we got I it. guess we could, but I don't... Sure. It could be even like a brief discussion. You can just like glance through it. But I mainly want to talk about the first two. Because those are Michael Bay movies. Interesting, yeah. The Bad okay. Boys trilogy. Yeah. There we go. They, those have 4K. Yeah, 4K? So, yeah, 4K transfers. Will that be the first Michael Bay we think so. talked about? As a recommendation, yeah. yeah. 
Definitely for recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked about yeah. like Transformers too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay so cool. cool. Let's let's do Bad Boys one and two. Awesome. Great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the recommendation. No if you don't want to be spoiled for the bad boys, we're probably gonna talk about all three. The epic trilogy of boys who are bad. Um <laughs> Watch it before Will Smith. Yeah, the Mister the Slap guy. Watch it before uh, the next episode. These episodes come out every two weeks. You can listen to them early if you go to Patreon.com/slash/SardonicaCast or SardonicaCast.com and sign up for premium. It's only two dollars a month, and you get to listen to them early, particularly early because we're recording these uh, episodes a bit early uh, because I'm going for TIFF soon. So. Um, all right. Yep. That's uh, we got merch. Link in the description. There's a Sardonicast highlights channel. Uh, link in the description, or just search it up. You lazy bum. Uh, give us some fan art. Hashtag Sardonicast fan art on Twitter or in the subreddit. We'll put it at the beginning of the videos. Even if it's a really crap drawing, we'll probably put it there. Don't be embarrassed. Practice your artistic skills. Do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Shit just got real. Shrek something. Bye. Yeah. Shit. Oh, God. That's from there. <laughs> Bye.